Welcome to Game Face, episode 245 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield, your humble host for the next couple hours of in-depth gaming discussion. Alongside me to do that is Matthew Kyle. What's up, Matt? Not much. Hanging out. Um, The new cat is in the room. Oh, are we going to get to see the new addition to the family today? Maybe. She's (laughs) poking around. You'll probably hear her chirping. But uh, if she comes close enough, I'll pick her up and put her. I, at some point, I'm because I can't let her run around the house quite yet. Because yesterday there was a fight, and she oh. scratched my other cat's nose, and uh, <laughs> so happens. she's been confined to quarters. But uh, so I put her in here, and I got the door closed. But if she gets antsy and I need to put her back in her bathroom, uh, I might need to get up and put her in there for a second. But. Uh, so that's just a warning for people wondering. <laughs> Hopefully the cat doesn't come tearing through the screen, swipes you and no, goes she's after a, the other cat. No, she's not that aggro. She's 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 older and and not that not that crazy. But she is running everywhere. She hasn't really been in this room too much, so she's running around sniffing everything and sneezing because she keeps poking her nose into dust. <laughs> like don't go behind the plasma. Like that's just we know we know this. But here she she, she that's she'll what figure she's it out. Now. Absolutely. Well, I'll say this. Um, At the beginning of every month, we do a feature called Dossier, where we run down all the games that are being released in a given month. And uh, I looked at the February Dossier, and I was like, oh my god, how are we going to do four podcasts uh, during the month of February? But I'll say this, we're good for week one. We have an awesome... We're just going to have to lean on the news, apparently. We might have to, uh, but not today. We have a ton of games to talk about in today's show. In fact, the vast majority of the show is going to be talking about games. Uh, One note before we really get started. Uh, Last week we had crazy audio issues with the show. I am here again uh, running stuff by myself. It is not something one person should be doing, hosting a show and running TriCaster. Um, So please give me some leeway. I am doing the best I can. Uh, And once again, I want you guys to give me some feedback in the chat before we get going on how the audio is. I think we got rid of the echo. I think my voice should not be overmodulated, and I think the levels between Matt and I are good. Uh, but let me know if I need to come up, if Matt needs to come up, uh, anything like that. And I want to get it sorted before we soldier on uh, with the next couple hours of the show. Uh, a couple other notes to get to uh, before we get started. Uh, first of all, the show I've been talking about, Three Night Weekend, is launching this Friday morning. The first episode is recorded already with our first guest. Um, And we have guests lined up for the next two weeks already and probably the third. So things are looking good. I think you guys are going to be really surprised and uh, happy about the guests that are on the first few episodes. And uh, once we do that, it'll be much easier to keep getting people on every week as we kind of build that base of people who have been on the show. I'm very excited for Three Night Weekend. I really think it might be something that can finally get us over the top at Sifted. Um, so please support the show. When you see um, all the promotion for it on Friday, please retweet, please like, please share. Um, like most of our content, there will be a delay between when our patrons get it um, and when everybody else gets it. But it won't be that long. It'll be three days. So you guys will get it on Friday morning, our patrons meeting. 
Um, and then everyone else will get it on Monday morning. Uh, and I do realize it's a show that in part is about, hey, what's happening this weekend? Uh, but there's a lot of value to the show beyond that because I'm talking to these industry folks uh, for around an hour in each episode. And we're not just talking about games. You're going to get to know them on a different level uh, from what you're used to knowing them on. So I am really excited about Three Night Weekend. I hope you guys are too. It's turning out really good, um, and I'm really pumped for it. Um, so again, that's Friday morning. You'll get the first episode if you're a patron. Um, and then one final note, the Fantasy Challenge is closed. Uh, the deadline for that was January 31st. We promoted the living tar out of it to try to get people in, but now it is shut off. Uh, so if you go to the page where you made your picks, now you can see the live standings. And there are standings because a couple games you guys have picked have already been released. Uh, the Medium is one of them. So if any of you guys had that on your team, that's out there already. In fact, we're going to talk about the Medium on Game Face episode 245. All right, so before we get started... How many how many teams are there? Is it more than the last year? I actually or? didn't scroll all the way down. It looked like more. I don't know. Um, I'll have to talk to Lashik and see uh, how we hit. I think there are more, but I'm not 100% sure. There's a lot. I'll say that much. So you guys, good luck is all I can say. Um, also, I would say this, Matt. With my picks for that, I just swung for the fences. I literally... Go look at my picks. It's like since we can't win... My goal is to try to set the record for the highest score ever in the Sifted Fantasy Challenge. Uh, So I just went all in. I have Zelda. I have God of War. I have Horizon Forbidden West. I can't win. So I was like, let's see what I can do if I throw a little caution to the wind and just try to go for the highest score possible. So anyway, it's fun to kind of look around and see what everyone's picks are, uh, see where they place the games. Because again, your picks are weighted. Your first pick gives you more points than your 10th pick. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun tracking it throughout the year, and it's all live right now. Go check it out. And before we get started, I do want to check the chat to see how the audio is. Audio much better this week. Um, Audio is fine. You guys said this last week, though, too. Hopefully some of you guys... (laughs) are listening on headphones because some of the problems we had in last week's show, you couldn't hear it unless you had good headphones on. I tried AirPods. I couldn't hear it. Um, But if you put on good headphones, apparently you can. So hopefully you guys are checking it out with good headphones and you're cool with it. Um, It's time to get on with the show. We're going to kick things off with, Matt, what I would say maybe the weirdest game I have played in a really long time, and that game is called Balan Wonder World. I keep calling it Balan Wonder Land. I think I'm getting the whole Disney World Land thing mixed up, but it's Balan Wonder World. It is Yuji Naka's first... Is it his first game since Billy Hatcher? Has he made a game since then, Matt? Uh, I want to say he has, but they were like mobile things or yeah, something. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think you're right. I think he went into mobile for a while, but this is his first, like, quote-unquote, big-budget game that he has developed in quite a long time. Um, it is a 3D platformer. It looks like it's set in the Knights universe, Matt. Do you think that that's the case? Do you think it's set no. during Knights? No? No. It's a different company, so no. Um spiritually maybe i mean obviously it's I not mean, being it's published clearly, by it's clearly taking a lot of influence from it it's uh the the design of balan himself and the bad guy who i don't think they've named yet in the demo um they are clearly knights in riala inspired um the world's the wonder world is not a dream but it is pretty much like a weird magic place that is essentially the same like you can definitely see that if if he had made a knights follow-up with sega it probably would have involved a lot of the same mechanics as this. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, definitely the, the influence is there, but it's definitely not in the same world as Knights because Sega owns that. Yeah. 
uh, and this is Square. It publishing. looks very similar, I would say. Oh, and he did uh, he did Rodea the Sky Soldier. Oh, that's right. Um, well, that's which right. I own and have never opened. So, so. Somebody funded another one of his projects after that game. I am shocked by that. But now that I've played Balan Wonderworld, I am not shocked. This <laughs> Matt, can you do you know what the plot of this game is? There's tons of cinematics. It's a very cinematic um, game. They try to tell a story, but I cannot really figure out even what the plot is. I feel like I'm missing some cinematics, actually. Like, it, it felt like it jumped pretty quickly, but it seems to be very similar to Knights in that uh, I picked the girl. Um, you pick between a boy and a girl, which is just like Knights. And, in fact, I think the boy's name is also Elliot. Or, El, or maybe the girl's name is L. Ella and the boy's name is Elliot in Knights. Um, but um, you, I picked the girl and she's like in this like fancy bedroom and she walks in, she's like a mansion and she walks out to the hallway and the, the, the maids are whispering and she looks at them and they see her and like turn and run away. And then she goes downstairs and like, there's like maids everywhere whispering about her. And then she gets upset and runs outside. So I guess it's the very relatable situation <laughs> of the help talking about you behind your back. Good, good call, Yuji. Um, and uh, you, she runs out into the streets of this weird sort of like European looking. So yeah, is that kind of like Ghibli city? Yeah. You know, it's, uh-huh. it's got That's a good it's, way to describe it. It's like a weird mix of every European architecture imaginable in one place in a very Mediterranean weather. And um, she sees like this weird little puffball looking thing that like she follows and you see the other boy you didn't pick and he follows another one and they go into this like abandoned house place and there's like a mirror image of them, but they can't see each other and they run into this um, magic knights ripoff uh, who's also sort of a ringmaster looking dude named Balan is that's 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 him the dude with the top um, hat yeah yeah with the top hat and he basically puts on a weird show and says they're going to wonder world and so they do and, and what are they supposed they... to do it that's my question really is what are they supposed to do in the wonder world I don't know. Like I <laughs> like what's from, the goal? from what I've played so far it seems to be like restoring hope to people who lost it like like you you seem to be like like counteracting despair for various people and everything's wind related i don't know what that's about um i feel like that's a pun from japanese that we don't know cuz i believe balan is can be a form of how you say like a kanji that also means uh uh like like balance uh, or maybe it's a, or maybe it's just a shortening of balance. I think that might. I think that's the, the name idea. of the studio that's making this game. By the yeah, way. they're really going in like <laughs> on hard on this thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, like there, there seems to me, it feels like it feels like there's something missing between them getting sucked into Wonderworld and having it explain what they're doing there. Yeah. Um, but you played platformers before, you know. You know, it's like go collect the gold things. You're fucking good. Um, yeah, pretty it, much. <laughs> The first level, like the, the the heart of the demo is the first world, which is mostly crop centered. It's, a, like it's, it's a centered farm. on a farmer who's depressed or bummed yeah. out. Well, like, the farmer is upset because the tornado destroyed his crops. Right. And then he turned into a, a wolf with wind powers you have to beat at the end of that. And then when you do well, you, that, you, he, you can be the wolf with like a tornado power. Oh, yeah. Well. You, you like have the, a costume that, yeah, that becomes a little better. He, he, as the boss, is. A giant wolf with wind powers. You have you have to beat as your own wolf with wind powers, 
Um, that's the thing is like the, the gimmick is, is kid chameleon, basically the old Genesis game where you can pick up, uh, costumes that are like animal or whatever, weird things centric. And each one gives you a different ability. Cause you, the only ability you have is jump as a normal character. Like they, yeah. they can only jump and you, in order to attack or do anything puzzle solvey or anything like that, you need the costumes. You can only carry three costumes at once. And so if you get another costume, the other costume goes away. Uh, if you die, you lose a costume and yeah. the costumes are like your life bar. So if you yeah. run out of costumes, you have to start the whole level over. Um, it's, and it's very weird. Like there's like 80 costumes in the whole game. Um, there's tons of them. And each one has its own special move. Uh, the problem with it's like, I like the concept, but as I started to kind of get into the thing where like, you know, you have to replace the costumes and the, like, uh, Mike McWhorter in his preview for it said that the costume thing was like very wide, but shallow. And like, I agree with that because like, it feels like you have all these things you can do. You only do three at once. You don't have a lot of control over what gets replaced with what until you get the the costume change option after you finish the first level. And there's a point at which I'm just like, oh, I just, I just don't know what this character can do anymore. It, it, it's like the, well, it's like Banjo Tooie. Because it can't do much, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Well, because it's like Banjo Tooie where it's like, you have to switch or, or, or Donkey Kong 64. We have to constantly switch back and forth. Banjo to, did it too, um, though, because you could yeah. be like the little van. You could It'd be, be a different, different car- refrigerator. Yeah, shift, shift. yeah, and at least this this one lets you shift on the fly, like with yeah, the, you tap the, the shoulder, shoulder button. buttons. Yeah, but it. I mean, this might just be me. I think it takes too long Agreed. to change between them. Like yeah. it just it feels like it stops everything. Like. Yeah, you Dead. do, like, a little whirlwind, but it seems to take, like, two and a half seconds to complete the whole animation. Like, it should take less than half a second. It should just be, yeah, like, it should be boom. Whap, like, and there's the new character. And I see that they're trying to, like, prevent you from combining moves with that, but you already can't shift in midair, so I don't see what yep. the point of adding, in like, a second-long animation to it is. It gets really annoying, I think. Um, no, it, it did. By the, by, the, by the end of the second world, it wasn't war. I mean, there's... You finish the, there's two levels and a boss fight for the first world, and then they pop up two more world, world four and world six. You play one level in each one. Um, and I was kind of tired of it by the end of by the end of that. Um, yep. Yeah, you like, finish the one stage weird. and you finally get the quick change. Um, and then you play yeah. a second stage uh, set in the same farmer's world or whatever. And then that concludes with a boss fight. Um, my issue really with the changing speed, people may be sitting there being like, what's the big deal? It takes a couple seconds. Um, some of the parts of this game, it's like you'll use one character to jump because a lot of characters in this cannot jump. Mm-hmm. So you'll have to switch. Or they to a, jump wrong for what you need to right. do. So, so you'll have to switch a character just to jump up on a platform. Then say there's a block there that your dragon costume can like blow away. Then you have to switch to the dragon to use the fire to Mm -hmm. blow up the block, then you switch back to a character that can jump to jump on the platform that you just cleared. It could work if the change, if the changing was just like lightning quick and you could just Mm -hmm. do it and it'd be be all smooth and, but it's, it's not, it's this weird disjointed, like wait for the transformations thing. And Matt, another game that that this reminds me of a bit is the original version of cameo elements of power uh, with the GameCube Mm -hmm. version before Mm -hmm. it ended up getting neutered for the Xbox uh, the original concept for Cameo was kind of like this, just tons of different characters you could swap into on the fly. Um, and then they toned it down a good bit when they finally released the game, which I was really disappointed in. I thought that was kind of its unique selling proposition, to be honest. Um, so it does remind me of that a little bit, but the world and the characters aren't very interesting. And as I said, I had problems following the plot. 
Um, so it's kind of hard to get engaged with the game on another level other than the gameplay. And so far what I've played of the gameplay has just been this kind of disjointed whatever. And then the mm-hmm. game's visuals. Like, even though this is like a farm theme and both levels that we played are set basically on a farm with crop rows and things like that, the game still looks like unicorn diarrhea. There are just too many colors in every frame. It just... I don't know what's going on with this game. I cannot believe that somebody looked at the concept for this and decided to give Yuji Naka a lot of money to work on it. I think it was a huge mistake. Um, the demo that we're talking about, you guys can play this. It's available on pretty much every platform right now. Um, so you can give it a spin and check it out for yourself. Um, there are other elements of this game that were equally confusing to me. Like, Matt, what's up with like the little chow-raising thing? Like, there's uh, these little critters I, that I, follow you around. and you, I if, think you just answered your own question. It's a chow-raising thing. Like but that's it. I couldn't like they're figure just, out they're how just it replicating. works, though. You uh, you collect. They eat the the gems you pick. They even colored gems that you pick up. And like when you come back from a level, you go to that empty hub world. And then if you go over to the uh, patches of different colored flowers, you can drop that color of gem down for them to eat. And so the idea is, you, and they they'll, they'll, the little gems colors will appear over their heads, so you know which ones they want to eat. Uh, I never saw any actual results. From that, that's my question. They so got I a little bigger, that out. but okay. I don't know what they. Eventually, uh, actually, they started to bring me collectibles I didn't get. Oh, really? In the levels, I like they bring that. me like eggs and like big gems that I didn't pick up. They just suddenly run up and, and give them to me, um, which was nice. Yeah. Uh, and then like the eggs you pick up will hatch into new ones, just like the chow. Um, I assume there's more to that that you'll see in the full. You would see in the full game because right now it's just very 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 rudimentary. But also, it's hard to tell. Like I said to you before the the show, like. This is a throwback to like 32-bit platformers, is. which is a very strange choice. Well, I do have some affection for that era because I did like Knights and stuff like that. Um, it's it simulate it simulates the kind of empty barrenness of those games while the levels them in the hub, while the, the levels themselves em- emulate the weird crushed folded into small aspects of those old levels yep. and i'm just not sure that's a thing anyone has nostalgia for i mean the design um, of this is old as well i mean even banjo even feels like it yeah, like even it feels banjo like, like it was more made of an open world this is like every you get warped into each stage yeah. the stages aren't very big so it's not a technical constraint um, well also the control i find the controls to be weirdly floaty like it if they're going for we're trying to make a game that's pretending that Mario 64 hasn't come out yet, they're they're getting there. Yeah. Like it feels like they haven't learned the lesson of how a 3D platformer should control. Um, and I will admit that I kind of find it a little charming, but I wouldn't recognize recommend it to anyone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I would not. Like, I don't dislike this game. Anyone. I don't dislike this game, but it's Press, the, the, the things I like about it are pressing some very, very specific Saturn fanboy buttons uh, that I don't know if anyone else I know <laughs> has. has. You know, you, you, I, get you, you know I know exactly what you're saying. I totally get what you're saying. Um, there, then there's other weird parts of the game. There are these stages that you go to where you're with Balan, and they're like these quick time events where you yeah, see his yeah. shadow and then you have to wait for the shadow to line up and mm-hmm. then you hit a button. And then there are other parts where shadows start appearing everywhere and you have to like just basically jam the button. Yeah. I don't, the mini games are bizarre. Like they this have, they have no bizarre. context for anything. Like there's like a soccer free, free kick 
mini game yeah. <laughs> and like it's weird like there's 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 no there's almost no like through line to anything it's, yeah and there's like you know i'm what you can't see the b-roll but i can and there's this one you turn into the dragon and you're in the farming stage and there's a straw everywhere but the fire doesn't affect the straw so it's like mm. the footage that you're seeing of me playing this this is the first time i played it so i'm trying to figure everything out as i go so I'm like walking around with a dragon. I'm like, it's straw. Surely enough, his nope. Instead, his fire will break blocks. There's just, there's not a lot of logic to this game, I guess is what I'm getting at. It just feels like Yuji Naka had a notebook with like a billion ideas from the last like 15 years and was like, this might be my last chance. I'm putting everything in this one game. And it just doesn't work. Back to like the Chow stuff. Like I did figure out that you can interact with them out in the overworld and I was feeding them their stuff but then I got into the level and I'm like why are they following me around like I can't they're not I can't feed them in the world I didn't realize that they were bringing me stuff apparently I'm glad that you brought that up because otherwise I was like why are they in here just the whole game is really confusing you do have a manual camera control there's hardly any auto camera control and one thing I would say is playing this and going back and playing Super Mario 64 recently has reminded me that cameras in 3D platformers have not been completely free for a long time. Like, there are subtle yeah. things that they do to adjust the camera in a lot of cases. In this game, that doesn't really happen. You're kind of out on your own to handle it with the right stick. Oh, my gosh. Hold on, Matt. Hold <laughs> on. We have Matt's new, new housemate. There she is. All black. Yep. What's her name? This is Luna. Luna. That was a name the old lady gave her, so I thought it would be disrespectful to change it. Yeah, plus she probably answers to it anyway. Might as well. You don't yeah, want to she confuse the it. cat. <laughs> if you if you say it, she, she her tail wags, so she, she does know her name. She's confused enough already, I think, Matt, by yeah. going to the new home. So so anyway, there's Ooh. Matt's new housemate, Luna. And unlike your no. other cat, she's not meowing. We're not going to be able to hear her. No. She seems awesome, though, man, for being in a new home and everything. Good. I'm a little irritated with her for scratching Rampage's nose, but oh, <laughs> she's she's doing her best. <laughs> um, what happened? What happened is they were facing off. They were doing their their kind of stare down thing, and the doorbell rang, and everybody freaked out. Uh, that that's was all it what takes. Happened. When tensions are high, that's that's the spark that sets the blaze yeah. right there. And funnily enough, it was uh, it was someone delivering their food. Ah, the yeah. irony. Here's someone to make you happy. Don't flip out. <laughs> so Matt. Who do you think will be interested in this game? Because um, I'm a big eh? 3D platformer fan, and I don't like it, and I don't really want to play any more of it. I don't know. Like, if someone... If you really loved Billy Hatcher and want to see, like, a follow-up that combines the ideas of that with Knights, I guess? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know who this is for. I guess kids who don't know any better like i but i think it's too weird to really be interesting to that i don't know like it's this game is I, gonna tank hard i would not be surprised <laughs> it is gonna tank hard um yeah i mean like, i'll be honest I, with you, this like, may be a I, game where a demo may hurt the sales of the game i mean i, I think you had to put a demo just to try to get like any interest visibility in out there i mean like i don't know like i i don't think about it <laughs> and i uh, I don't know. 
Matt, like I didn't, you, I, if, you, if there hadn't been a demo, I don't think I would have remembered it was coming out until it was already out. Right. You know, like it was one of those yeah. things. And it is coming out pretty soon. Uh, he's been working yeah, on this for uh, a while. And yes, it's, it's not too far out. It's like the middle of the year, I believe. And it's coming March 26th. A, what, when is it? March 26th. Oh, yeah. So it's about a month and a half, two months away. Um, so, and it's not like really a polish issue. It's not like I encountered bugs no. or things that were janky. Like it has a lot of invisible walls. There's places where you should be able to jump over stuff and it'll stop you. Like just a lot of the contrivances of really old 3D platformers are still in this game. Matt, can you think of another developer that has fallen as far as Yuji Naka? Um... Because he was a god. When I started in the gaming industry, like, at GameSpot, he was a god. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was up uh, there like, with people compared him to, like, Miyamoto back then, which I didn't agree oh, yeah. with, but people did. Uh, I don't know, Doug Perry? Like, oh, it, that's it's, right. Yeah. It's, hard, it's, hard to, it's hard to really think. I mean, you know, he was, he was one of the key people behind um, Sonic the Hedgehog, and uh, so was the guy who, the art director for this, whose name I can't, I, I, Naota something, I can't remember his last name. But you know the art director on this is the art director for Sonic, the original Sonics, and um, and Knights. Um, I feel like he really dug out his unused Knights sketches for this one. That's what I was saying. This um, looks like a bunch of ideas UG's had kicking around for like fifteen years. And he's yeah, like, I mean the pedigree is obvious. I just don't know if I don't know if anybody cares. You know, yeah. like, I mean I care because I see it and I, I recognize things I like. I. I like I see the elements of Knights that I, you know, Knights is still one of my favorite games of all time. I love that game. This is not that game. Um, and there's like weird things where like, like when like Balan's theme, where like which plays a lot, but plays particularly when he like does the little song and dance that introduces you and sucks you into the world. The Wonder World is so very strongly trying to uh, elucidate and 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 remind you of. Um, Never had a friend like me from Aladdin. Oh. Um, like you can practically sing it. You, you can practically sing along the lyrics of, of that song with his theme. And I'm like, Mm-mm. like this dude's creepy. Like kids <laughs> wandered into an abandoned building and some weirdo in a top hat makes them sit down and watch him dance. Like that is not. Yeah, this is the is guy with the candy charming... that your parents tell you not to talk to. Yeah, like <laughs> there, there's a way you can make kind of the creepy, fantastical, accessible and not creepy. And Studio Ghibli can do that, and apparently Yuji Naka cannot. Um, it, it, it was very weird, and I was just like, "No, you, you should, you should run." Yeah. <laughs> the other thing that we haven't brought up is, and you kind of just hinted at it, is how musical this game is. Yeah. There are these elaborate musical numbers. Um, mm-hmm. Like when you finish, when you beat the boss and finish the stage, you do this crazy dance number with the farmer. Yeah. <laughs> it's. And again, it just comes out of nowhere. It's like gibberish like, lyrics. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's like one of those old, like, like those old uh, big numbers, like the old like movies, which are like all water dance stuff. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. Like the, where they coordinate like all the water <laughs> and people like come out of the, the fountains and stuff. Yeah. It's, it was, it's like that. And it's, it's, it's like substantial. Like it's clearly they think it's the reward. You know, it's kind of like how Knights ended with like the weird lyric base, like the weird like kind of pop soul song about dreams dreams like yeah, yeah. and you're like is this supposed to be a reward for this <laughs> like, 
Yeah. No, I don't know. And then there like, is a boss fight. And I think, Matt, the boss fight literally took me like less than like 20 seconds to finish. Yeah, it's over so fast. You don't, I'm like, oh, I, I got to memorize it. But no, I guess I don't. I guess <laughs> I just need to, to hit him anything. three times. You just have to get near him and hit the attack button three times. Yeah, and that's it's, just, like, it's over. It's, like, and it, it's weird because like no, normally bosses, especially bosses in like platformers like this, they're only vulnerable at a very specific point in their pattern, right? Right, yeah. But the, the, this boss and pretty much every enemy in this game, they're vulnerable except when they, if, as long as they don't have like the swirly wind around them doing their attack, you can hit them. Yep. Like just go up and hit them. Doesn't matter. Like it's just, it's weird. I mean, it's like, it's not frustrating at least, but it kind of also makes me wonder, it's like, is this really targeted for much younger players? It has maybe? to be. Like, if I was I a kid, know, this like, game would terrify me though. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what it's, it's. I mean, sometimes kids, I mean, you watch some of the old 70s animated films I used to watch as a kid, and they're like terrifying drug trips now. But when I was three, I thought they were great. Yeah. Um, kids are weird. But, well, I used to, uh, I yeah, to go I, back and watch I, the I cartoons know. I like, watched as a kid, and they're terrible. I used to love like, this show this called is, Top Cat, and I watch it now, and yeah. I'm like, why did I like this? Go uh, go watch, uh, go, go take a look at the, no, I mean, not you, but if anyone's bored on YouTube, Go look up the movies uh, The Mouse and His Child and Hugo the Hippo. Those are the two movies I wore out VHS tapes of watching over and over as a kid. And, I can, and watching them as an adult, I can only wonder what my parents were worried about <laughs> that I like those movies so He's much. He's gone off the deep end. Um, oh, boy. But, like, <laughs> like, the biggest thing, I, my biggest question I keep having with this game is, like, you're tapping into a particular era of this kind of game and I feel like it's the the era that no one really wants to remember. And if they do want to remember it, they remember Mario 64 and Crash Bandicoot. Yep. That's true. Like, I don't know who this is for. And more fondly maybe like, than I remember this game for. After playing yeah. this demo, I would add, I would still rather play Super Mario 64 than play this, even though this game oh, is 20-some sure. oh, yeah. years older. This feels like it feels like it's because this is drawing from the platformers that were coming out around the same time as Mario 64 and were not able to draw lessons from Mario 64 as a result. Yeah. Um, and considering pretty much every 3D game ever made after 1996 is taking cues in some way from Mario 64 on how a 3D character controls, I don't know if that's a winning strategy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think winning strategy in this game are, are definitely not synonymous, Matt. <laughs> Yeah, but like, try, I mean, obviously, obviously, the demo's everywhere, so try it. Yeah, like, and it's free, and it's I, not I that big. I can't tell you if you, I mean, if you like this, I don't know how I'd predict that. Yeah, so that is try a tough it for yourself. <laughs> I can't think of anybody that would really resonate with this game. It's so bizarre. Like, there's things about it. There's things about it I like. There's things, there's elements that I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that, remember, like I said, very specific Saturn nostalgia buttons. Um, so I guess that's... You know, if you, I guess it's also sort of like how there's a nostalgia now for like the crappy polygonal PS1 graphic style. Yeah, the D make or whatever. Yeah, the D make thing. Like it's kind of like that. I guess. I mean, this looks way better than that, but like, oh, sure, yeah. it has that verve to it um, in how it feels. And uh, so I guess that. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I struggle to even tell somebody to download this. It's not that big. It's not like no. Nah, it gonna... took like five minutes to download. Yeah. It's, it's not a problem. But like, but on, look, on if you're... PS5 anyway. PS5. I mean, I will say Sony's got those download servers humming. Yep. At this point, they 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 move like crazy. Yeah, they're much faster um, than they were on PS4 for sure. Yeah. But uh, you can check it out for yourself. I feel like Matt and I probably jumped on the grenade for you. And since Game Face is one of the only gaming podcasts that actually shows you the games that we're talking about, I think you have a pretty good idea at this point 
whether it's worth the hard drive space. Yeah, I, th I think you're re it's really hinging on whether the, the, the visuals, the art direction and the music like charm you or not. Yeah. Um, there's not much there gameplay wise, as far as I can Very, see. I mean, other than the swapping mechanic, which is clunky and weird. And look, yeah. I'll say this, Matt, that is something that could very easily be fixed. Yes, absolutely. They could change that animation tomorrow and it could be much better and make it mm -hmm. much more fluid to play and make it less of a chore. Cause that's really what it started to feel like to me. The game felt like a chore between figuring mm -hmm. out which character I'm supposed to use and then having to swap. First of all, every character should have jump mat. Every one of them. Mm -hmm. It's idiotic. Well, it's like, there's there's only one button. I know. There's, a, there's like, <laughs> like all four face buttons and the two trigger buttons are jump on yeah. the default character. Yeah. And then when you become a, a, a costume, all those buttons just become that character's that one, one move. Thing. Yeah. And you know the only other buttons you have are the, the shoulder buttons that change the costume. I would like, be happier with why less not just have everybody be a little do. more involved? Like, why not have everybody be kind of like a banjo sort of style? You know, you can do a basic attack and a jump mm -hmm. and maybe a duck or something. I don't know. Like, it just feels weirdly limiting. That's why I keep going back to like 32-bit stuff too. Back when like you could just have like, okay, the A button jumps and we don't do anything with the other buttons was kind of like not that crazy then. Yeah. Yep. So there you go. Balan Wonder World. I'll get that right eventually. Um, coming to pretty much every platform, March 26th. So not long to wait. And there's a free demo available right now, pretty much on every store. You can get it pretty much anywhere. So give it a check. Give it a look if you want. I don't recommend it. Uh, staying in the vein of games that are coming out now, but feel a little old. Next, we're going to talk about a game called Cyber Shadow. Um, mm -hmm. Matt, the lower third for this is Ninjavania. Um, <laughs> I felt like this game is a cross between Ninja Gaiden, the old 2D Ninja Gaiden, and Castlevania games. Um, and it is a 2D hack and slash. And also like Balam Wonderworld, very simple. There aren't a lot of moves or things that you can do in this game. Uh, you can't even duck. Yeah, <laughs> which drives me crazy. Now that is accurate to Ninja Gaiden. I know. But... I know. It annoys the hell out of me, and it did then too. I guess it's like, yeah, I, I know they're being true to the source material there, but uh, the source material got that wrong too. Yeah. Um, but the the reason it reminds me of Castlevania, and I mean, you're seeing the gameplay right now, um, is because there's is there's a lot of like instead of a whip, you have a sword, but there's a lot of tracking enemy patterns and then getting them at when they're at that exact height for your blade and attacking. And most enemies only take one slash to kill. So other than like bosses, sub bosses, stuff like that, most mm. of them is just one slash and they die. Um, and so once you kind of figure that out, it helps you kind of manage the rest of the game a lot better. Um, well, they're aware of it too, because when you pick up the sword enhancement power up, it's the same sound effect as when you get a new item, like throw item in Castlevania. Yep. And there's maybe, a little... it's the, maybe it's when you get the, the meat. It's a Castlevania sound effect. Like they are very much aware of that they're doing that. So And there's a little bit of Metroid in this. Um but it's mostly just aesthetic. It's not really yeah, in how the game plays. It's it's a very it's not like a go everywhere and explore the map game. It's it's there's a couple of hidden secrets here and there, but it's pretty linear overall. Um it's uh and look, like it's fine. Like I I like it well enough. I a couple times like the, the you know there's it's it's you have checkpoints there's like you know little checkpoint things you can get and you can use your uh, eventually once you get far enough you can use uh the currency you pick up to upgrade them so that now now everyone you get to uh refills your life or oh. now certain ones you get to I didn't get that far uh, man I played yeah, the you, first boss and I quit so 
you can I got it like halfway through the game. You can like upgrade them so that every time you you stop at one, you get your life refilled. Every time you stop at one, that has a certain upgrade. Some of them don't always have the full upgrade capacity. Some are just like the life one, mm-hmm. uh, but some are, you can upgrade to fill out your um, your spirit as well, which is your what you use for items. Uh, you know, you get shuriken and flame attacks and so yeah as you go it's it's like uh mega man in that regard as you beat beat bosses or rescue your ninja buddies uh they give you new moves that you can use to kind of enhance the character and uh, and that all works pretty well like that's like that's like uh, castlevania in the sense it's like you use up the the spirit bar and that you know like that or ninja guy dan had that too the, the kind of the ninja ninja magic stuff um and uh and then there's you can you can buy the sword extension power up at some of them, usually the ones before bosses. That would be um, really handy. Yeah. And Every that, extra and pixel a, you can get for that sword will make a difference in the game. Yeah. And that's an interesting way to do Like I liked it the way they did that, where like the power up is not timed. The power up, you get three hits. Yeah. After you get hit three times, you lose the sword power up. And that's a pretty cool way to reward skill yep. uh, without kind of having an arbitrary timer. I like that. Um, but that's basically it. Like that, that's that's your your the upgrades you can do. Um, there's no shortage of currency that I saw. Like I never ran, had any was anywhere near running out. No matter how many times I bought power ups or, yeah, or enhanced things. Um, and uh, but after, as I played, you know, you go back as you die, you go back to the, the last you know checkpoint place you you were at, which I appreciated. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> but at a certain point, like I was like, I feel like I've served my time throwing myself against annoyingly designed obstacles in 2d action games and i don't know if i need to continue doing it to myself in games that are designed to intentionally be that i've made this decision Um, a long time ago matt like this why i don't play a lot of indie games anymore and i I, it is a blind spot for me because i realize there are there 13 year old kids that have never played these games uh, but i have played so many like it's very hard for me to find a game like this where I feel like there's anything really new in it uh, to invigorate sort of my spirit for the genre. Uh, like I said, I played through the first boss, and I was like, I get it. I see where this is headed. It's a lot of pattern memorization, level design memorization, um, remembering when enemies attack and what their attacks are like, whether they're going to spiral, whether they're going to go straight, um, how the enemies track, whether they just come straight at you or whether they go up and down. Um, there's a lot of uh, Medusa heads in this where you have to deal with the enemies that, that like yeah. kind of go on a sine wave like up and down, and that drives me crazy. I hate the Medusa heads are my least favorite thing in the entire Castlevania franchise, and there's a lot of enemies that are like that in this. The vast majority are either flying free or flying on a very predetermined course. Um, now, I would say this. The production values in this are great. The audio is mm-hmm. really good. Um, so if you are younger and you haven't played a ton of these games, I don't think it's a bad choice. No, these as these things go, this is one of the best that I've seen in terms of production value. And like, look as also as design, like the, you know, it's very tight. I've pulled off some really cool, like impressive, uh, impressive dodges and moves, like dodging between enemies to get the hits off, and like it's all there. It's just I don't have I my my old ass it doesn't have the patience anymore for it. Um, but like I've gotten I got further in it than I expected to. Uh, the bosses are actually a lot of fun for the most part. Like. They are pattern memorization, but um, like they're 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 varied and it makes sense and they they level up kind of the the difficulty as you go pretty well. There's a couple of nice surprises where you beat one and then suddenly there's another stage to it, which I I enjoy. Like it got me killed when it happened, but I was like, oh, that makes sense. That's a cool idea. Cool. I'm um, okay dying if I die to something cool. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so there's, and there's a lot of like weird little things that you discover, like little strategies you can use, like the most obvious way to do something with the bosses is not always the best way to do it, which is, you know, it's, it, there's something like that in almost every fight that, that at the end of every chapter, um, it's a really smart game in terms of how it's put together. And the lack of crouching did drive encounters. me bonkers. Yeah. I, I mean, also the game discovered... knows you can't, so it's, it, it doesn't really demand that of you. So it doesn't, but it's just like uh, early on, I had to get used to the idea that you don't. And like one of the moves you get does require you to press down and hit the button to activate it. And if you had to duck when you did that, that would screw up your timing too much. So I kind of get where they're coming from there. Did you ever figure um, out how to slice or slash upwards? Uh, I don't think there is a slash upwards. That not unless you to me get also one later. drives me crazy. You have to jump and slash to hit anything that's over your head. Yeah, I mean that's all Ninja Gaiden. This, uh, the only thing they're missing is wall hanging, which I didn't miss because that was always a frustrating mechanic. To or me. maybe you haven't got to it yet, Matt. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> of the sort of special powers or power ups, what were your favorites? Um, I liked the uh, the second one you get is a uh, is like an, a fire upper thing, and basically he does like a sure you can with like three fireballs that like go upward. Okay. And uh, so there's your upward attack, I guess. Yeah. So that that help like that you basically get uh, as you go, you get attacks that kind of make the things you want to be able to do irrelevant. I guess that would would be the best way to put it. Um, so yeah, it's uh, and you, you know, and you you expand your life bar as you go, and you expand your spirit bar as you go. So you are there is a constant feeling of real progression and enhancement to the character uh, that it was often missing in those old games. Like certainly Castlevania never had that until you got to the Symphony of the Night kind of stuff, where like you didn't feel like you're progress. So the, the Metroid angle to me comes the most from the fact that as you get through these stages, you feel like you are a more powerful character than you were before, which is a satisfying thing. Now, I didn't play it beyond the first boss, so you're going to have to answer this for me. Does the level design ever make you go back like Metroid? No. Uh, I mean, not in the same level, but when you when you finish um, a stage and you go back, there's a little computer you, t- you look at and you can pick your chapter. And if you go back to the previous chapters, it will show you percentage of completion for the previous chapters. And all of mine were 60% the first time I finished them. Uh-huh. So I believe that you need to go back with one, later once you have further upgrades to open like secret areas or something to get everything. I think that I think that's what that's implying to me. Gotcha. Okay. So there's a reason to go back and play them again and find new places. But I have not had to go physically back in the same level to open a new door or something that the, I wasn't able to open before. No, like I've seen like places where like, okay, that's a thing I can't open yet. And clearly some, like some power up I get later, will open it later, but I don't have it now and I can't do it right now. And those are all in early levels. So like clearly whatever the thing I need to do that I'll get later. So I think there's a reason to replay levels later. I don't know if it's going to make me do that. Like if, you know, like some kind of, you know, Triforce Wind Waker fetch quest, like right. go back and get all the secret power ups of the of the ultimate weapon before you fight the big boss kind of thing. Yep. Uh, I don't know if it's going to do that, but like um, there is a reason to go back and find find secrets once you have like kind of like the Mega Man games where like once you had all the all the weapons, you could go back and open up some things here and there and get like the 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 the, um, the Street Fighter moves yeah. or the, the super armor and stuff like that. I, th- I did think that the health was pretty well balanced because as yeah. you play, you can pick up health. Um, if you look up there at the top left, it says HP, and obviously you lose hit points when you take a hit, but you can regain them by defeating enemies. And I, 
they did a good job designing that, making sure that you're never, like, you're not always full health, but you're also never, not always like at the bottom. Um, and they balanced the bosses, at least the boss I fought, pretty well to where literally, yeah. like, I had one speck of health left when I took out his last speck of health. Um, yeah, it's never never hopeless, and like the the the, the boss minions tend to drop health. Yeah. If you and you don't need to kill them, like you can just dodge them and keep your focus on the boss. But if you need health, you can kill one of the minions, and usually they'll drop a couple points of health, and that helps. Um, also, a lot of the bosses are references to other to old like the first uh, first boss you fought. Like yeah, and I'm sure you know it's like it's a reference to a, a contra yeah. boss. Yeah. With the with the things in the up in the sides yeah, and stuff yeah. like this, they know what they know what they're they're doing. There's a lot of nice homage in there. Do you like that? Or do you think developers should strike on their own and do their own thing? I like it because they they the visual look of them is is the same, but they don't do the same things as the contra boss. Like the the bosses are visual references to things, and I can tell, but they don't they don't they have the same patterns. They don't have the same attacks. So like, it's a nice little like, oh, I remember you. Uh, I remember that. I know what you're talking about. And it's like, oh, you're not doing you're not doing that. Okay, we're gonna have to learn something here. And so that's a, it's a it's a it's almost a fake out in some places. Hmm. Um, what about the plot? So at the beginning, like, there's a nuclear blast, and you're going to, like, rescue your master, and obviously that's about as far as I got. Where, mm-hmm. How does the plot evolve after that, if it does um, Basically, you find out that, like, um, there was a guy, a scientist who invented, like, humanoid androids who did everybody's work for them, and then something exploded, and the scientist became an evil robot himself and started sending out all his robots to, like, conquer the world or whatever and killed all your your ninja clan and you're the last one who survived and like you're basically supposed to go rescue all the ninjas um although rescuing them doesn't seems to basically be like oh i'm really hurt and i can't do this so take my power and go handle that stuff um but like it's it's he's basically dr wiley like it's 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 mega man in in, in a lot of ways um but it's told through kind of like ninja gaiden style cutscenes, like the you know very very 8-bit style um like the old Ninja Gaiden yeah, had with the cool. cinematic yeah, stuff. The I mean, it, it looks nice. It's got well a very done. cyberpunky thing going on. Um, I mean, the story's pretty, and there's like a girl clearly that you used to love or something. It's because it, even on the on your inventory screen, if you click on the little thing in the corner, it opens up a, a little locket and you see a picture of a girl. Who is this you see in a cutscene cut once in a while? So there's like some kind of like love story or rescue the girl. Maybe the girl's going to turn out to be the final boss or something. Who knows? Probably. Um, <laughs> but because uh, she does seem to be cyborgized somehow yeah. in, the, in the cutscene flashback. So. We'll see. And there's another uh, guy you fight who, like, a boss you fight who, like, has a bunch of different, like, stages, and then his head escapes. Nope. So I assume he's going to be, like, coming back to, like... Like Andros play. from Star Fox. Sort of, yeah. It's, it, I, feel, I figure, you know, it's like, you, you get that feeling. It's like, oh, so he's going to be a, a, a character going forward. Maybe um, the primary bad guy or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know if he's the doctor guy, but he definitely seems to be persistent. Um, now, Matt, this yeah. game is on Game Pass. Yes. Did you buy yes. it or did you just do you have? I Game got Pass? it on Game Pass. You did. Do you know how much got, they're charging for it? Um, my guess would be twenty. Yeah, that seems about the right price to me. It seems like the game's pretty long for a game of this type. Yeah, it's type not. Anyway. It's not. It's a good. It's a good length. Um, it seems to be. I mean, I I'm like five chapters in, and I think it's eleven chapters long. So you're about halfway through. How many hours would you say you've put into it so far? Um, roughly. Like two or between two and three. Okay, so um, roughly six to seven hours long, probably. 
Yeah, I mean, I would say that's probably about the gets, perfect length for a game like this. I think it probably gets longer as you go, and it gets harder, and you have to redo stuff more. But like, yeah, I would say I'd say it's on track to be like an eight to nine hour game. Wow, that's really good, actually. And you could, in terms of having to master stuff, if you could, you could probably speed run the thing in like two hours if you knew everything. Or and you're really good. <laughs> you'd have to you'd have to be really good to make it through this game in two hours for sure. I mean, speedrunners do they that. Are. That's what they do. Yep. <laughs> uh, so Matt, if somebody did you figure out how much it costs by any chance? Um, yeah, it's twenty bucks. Twenty bucks. Uh, in fact, the the speedrun record for this game is an hour and nine minutes. Already? That today. What? Yeah. <laughs> People are insane, Matt. It's nuts. This game's barely been out. It literally just came yeah. out. So I'm finishing it. I mean, there's nobody. Um, the, there's only one time over two hours in the top 16. Wow. Dang. I mean, a lot of that, too. They figure out ways to skip parts of the levels. Oh, and yeah. Blah, there's blah, some blah. of that. But and the, the, the 100% run, hour and 30. Wow. That's insane. People blow my go, mind. You want to blow your, go look, go on speedrun.com and go look up the uh, Last of Us 2 runs. What's the best? Like, like people can beat that game in like 4 hours. Okay. That that is a little more understand. This game in an hour but if you, to but me if you watch like, the, the runs like they they're doing the thing where I like, kind of or you know where Ellie can do kind of the overhand punch. Yeah. They do that constantly to move forward cuz it moves you forward faster than running. So they run that way the whole time. They just rah, 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 like do that over it's and like over. Like doing again. the it's long inc- jump in Super yeah. Mario 64 the whole way through the game. Right. Yeah. yeah it's it's incredibly annoying. <laughs> <laughs> but it gets them there. Yeah, I mean if and they'll probably figure out another way here in the next 3 months to move even faster and it's Oh yeah, there's a most of the uh most of the Last of Us runs right now are glitchless. Because there's not any good glitches, but I'm sure they'll find some as they move forward. Oh, they definitely will. So, Matt, um, for people who don't have Game Pass, and I don't know why you don't, because right now they're doing another $1 for three-month deal. Like, if you, for instance, I did Game Pass Ultimate $1 for three months on PC, like, four months ago, five months ago. Then I got my Xbox Series X. The deal's there again. Even though it's the same account, Matt, they let me do the deal again, and I got Game Pass again for three months for a dollar. So I now will have had Game Pass for six months for two dollars. That's quite a deal. difference from the sixty bucks for six months <laughs> that they're trying to push. Absolutely. Um, so look, if you have Game Pass, fire this sucker up and play it. It's a very small download size. It's not very big, um, but it is unapologetically. Um, inspired by the games that it looks like it's inspired by. Uh, it definitely wears its heart on its sleeve, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, it's not shy about what it's doing. And yeah. it does it well. Um, it's not my favorite thing in the world, uh, but I do think it it's a fine balance of what it what it, what it's drawing from and what it's trying to kind of evolve it into. So it it, it works for me. Um, I will probably keep playing it now and, the, now and then. It's not my main focus right now. Um I find one of the other games we're going to talk about today more compelling. But uh, if you're into that kind of thing, like this, this feels like a pretty solid version. Um, I do do think it's a little more accessible than the messenger, um, which is the other big Ninja Gaiden game. Um, Like, I think this one's more forgiving. Okay. Then I'm glad I haven't played the messenger. (laughs) The messenger is much more, messenger is much more true to the old Ninja Gaidens. It doesn't blend as much Castlevania and Mega Man into it. Um, and is I think is harder as as a result. I didn't find this game too punishing, to be honest with you. No, and I'm not like the guy who wants everything to be really hard. As you guys have know, I'm not a big like Souls fan or anything. Um, this game did not frustrate me as much as like Souls games do. 
And I think a no, big part of that is the checkpoints. Yeah. <laughs> there are checkpoints, and they're real checkpoints. They're not like the kind of checkpoints that you get in the Souls games that have kind of these conditions built around them. Um, as long as you hit that checkpoint and you die, you're going to restart there uh, when you die again. So um, I enjoyed it for the limited time, but like you, I had so much other stuff to play that I was far more interested in that I didn't give it too much of a shake, just enough to know what was going on. And plus, I had reached out to you to see how much of it you were going to play. And you're like, oh, I'm diving in. And I was like, okay, uh, cool. I'll play a little bit so I know what I'm talking about. And then you can kind of lead the discussion. And that's exactly what happened. So um, 20 bucks, is it on everything, Matt? Do you know? Uh, almost. Like, it's it's not Switch? it's not rare. <laughs> it's on Switch, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, PlayStation 5, Windows, Linux, and Mac. Oh, it's on Windows, Linux, so and Mac. Within, yeah, on Linux and Mac, that's when you know it's on everything. <laughs> Basically, unless you only got a Nintendo 3DS... You're good. Yep. Okay, so there you go. That Cyber Shadow, available for everything, 20 bucks. Matt, would you say somebody buys it for 20 versus just getting Game Pass? Um, I mean, if you can get Game Pass, get Game Pass. Yeah. But uh, Would you pay 20 bucks for that? I might, if I was more into that kind of thing. It's a little um, on the edge of 20 I think. Yeah, it's not an unfair... Yeah. It's not an unfair price for it. I mean, honestly, I think they price it right. Yeah, <laughs> if from a business perspective, and like, I'm sure at some point soon they'll be on sale for like fourteen ninety nine, and that's a no brainer. Or it'll really. be in a humble bundle or some yeah, Steam kind of sale thing. where you can get it for a couple bucks. So maybe this is something you want to earmark for later on. Uh, but then again, February is looking pretty dry, so you might want to take yeah. a little bit of a closer look than you think that you should right now. Uh, okay, let's move on. We're going to talk about definitely the biggest story of the week. There's no doubt about it. Um, <laughs> Matt, the profit. Kyle was right on the money on this one. Um, he has been lagging on Stadia since the very first day Google announced it and showed it. Your your line was, it's an answer in search of a problem, right? So a solution in search of a problem. A solution yes. in search of a problem. And you were down on it right out of the gate. I tried to be a little more open-minded about it. As time went on, I became less open-minded about it <laughs> because reality started smacking us in the face. Um, I was really kind of waiting for cyberpunk 2077 to come out because to me i thought that was going to be a break point for a lot of people because maybe some people couldn't especially how it ended up happening where the ps4 and the xbox one versions were basically unplayable so it was a perfect storm for stadia it also if you looked around online people would tell you play the pc version or play stadia the stadia version actually runs great because it's a pc version Apparently, that wasn't good enough, Matt, because this week it was announced that Stadia, while not closing down, has closed down all of its internal development. Any games that are not scheduled to come out this year on Stadia have been canceled. And worst of all, Jade Raymond's game has been canceled. Mm -hmm. um, so Stadia and Google are looking to pivot the service into something that they license out and people can install on their refrigerators, on their toasters, um, in hotel rooms is my guess where they're – if they're smart. The, and obviously right now that market is completely deflated. But that's not going to last much longer. And that's perfect time for Stadia to start talking to these folks to get their system in there when people start traveling again and start going to hotels again. But that's the angle that they're going to take Stadia. They're going to license the technology out to people who want to use it instead of creating their own content. Because, Matt, once you stop creating exclusive content for a platform, 
there's really no reason for you to leave your platform as like a walled off garden. It makes no sense. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, clearly this is step one in the sunsetting of Stadia. Um, who knows how long that will take. Um, there's probably contracts left to run out. You know, there's probably third-party games that need to still come out on it that are contracted to do so. Um, but I wouldn't expect to see Stadia continue to exist as the brand it professes to be for more than another year or two. Um the fact that they have no confidence in enough in it to produce their own content for it is the nail in the coffin, really. You're just you're just waiting for the corpse to realize it's dead now. I will say this. I don't like to see any company fail. Ever. No. Um, because there are well, people so that work like, there. I don't like to see Phil Harrison keep his job all 150-plus <laughs> developers lose theirs because they didn't do anything wrong, did they? No, it wasn't their fault that this happened. It was, it was Phil's no. fault. Also, Phil, by the way... I've never seen someone fail upwards like Phil Harrison. Unbelievable. He, I can't Just. think of a single thing he has ever succeeded at, Matt. He almost killed PlayStation with the PlayStation 3. Then he goes to Atari. He basically kills Atari. I mm-hmm. mean, he really did kill Atari. Yeah. And then he jumps around to like a couple little consultant things he did. None of them did well or succeeded. And then he comes to Stadia, and it lasted like a year before it was gone again. Why do people keep hiring this guy? I don't know. We'll, I mean, we'll see moving forward. Um, I mean, it's not that, that it matters. He's made so much money now. It's like, oh yeah, but that that tweet yesterday of uh, excellent work forty seven was yeah. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Yeah, like there were a lot of dumb like Twitter dunks about the yeah. Stadia stuff yesterday, but that one was gold. that was clever. That's a good that one. was really good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't know. Can I? Can someone please hire Jade Raymond and let her finish a fucking video game? I know, like man. I am going nuts over here. Like. I I don't get it. I, I, say, I do get. I, I do get it. I understand why you take that job. I understand why you hire her. I understand what happens there. But it's just like, really? It, has, it, it hasn't even been a year. I know. Like, what are you doing? Well, what I was going to say earlier is I never want to see companies fail because there are people working there that have families and they rely on their income to survive. But I will admit, I have found some semblance of glee watching Amazon and Google completely flounder and fail at video game development. Because these big tech companies, they they don't understand that there are soul in there's a soul in a game. Um, they think that you can just hire a bunch of ringers, throw a bunch of money at something, come up with a, some dumbass like concept, and it'll be a success. That's not how it works. There are intangibles in games that go beyond the ones and zeros. And these big tech companies never get that. And I will say this, hiring Jade Raymond was the right was a step in the right direction towards that. She gets it. She and she can deliver on that. But you gave her a year. It's like what was the plan here, Matt? Like how I don't know. And, did and they it's have a plan? It, it, it seems like they both failed for very different reasons. Yeah. Oh, you mean um, as far as like, their development, their internal As far as like what, what Amazon did wrong internally and what Google did wrong, like they feel very different. Like yep. Amazon had that weird thing about how everything needs to be a billion dollar franchise, but it also needs to be more innovative than anything you've ever seen before. And anyone who's ever worked in anything can tell you that's not how anything works. Well, the other condition for Amazon's games was the backbone of its games had to be on AWS, Amazon Web Services, mm-hmm. their cloud service. And... That's not easy. Building a whole game on the cloud is not easy, even for people who have been making console games for the last 15 years, like a Jade Raymond. Yet there's a lot of new stuff you have to wrap your head around if the crux of the game is AWS. 
but I don't I struggle to understand why did they hire Jade, Matt? It's like if you're going to give her a year, why hire her? Anybody who knows this industry knows you can't prove squat in a year if you're working on a game. Like at that point you have like concept art, you've drawn up the level design, you probably haven't even started building the levels. You maybe built some character models and did some animation to kind of get some personality to the characters to maybe sell them to your boss or whatever. But that's about it. Like so what was the plan? Did they just did they think Stadia was just going to explode in year one with that exclusive content. Did they have that much faith in the product itself? They might have. Also, as as having worked uh, in some tangential ways with some like tech startup places um, up in, up and up north, a lot of those guys don't understand that everything doesn't work the way venture capital tech development works. Um, like you get you get involved in like producing a show or something for them and they don't understand why you don't have like show 1.0 ready to show them like i have been in production situations where a like silicon valley tech company wanted to have us shoot a whole show like shoot it like do the show and then they look at it decide what needed to be changed and we'd shoot the show again <laughs> With the with the changes incorporated, that's not how it works. And like, bro. that's how you develop like databases software. Sure, yeah, yeah. that's not how you do anything else. Create like, any, definitely anything creative. No, for sure. not at all. Like you, like, and you're in a situation where, like, like you say, like here's here's concept art of the characters and da da da. And like, I've been in situations where that would get you the res- response of like, well, why can't why can't we play it mm-hmm. right now? They don't understand and it's like, it. Because you don't want to spend that money and time until you know you want what it is. And it might have been as simple as companies like Google do not understand that. Because look at look at how Google operates and how far they'll go with some of these ventures and then just pull the plug. Because they don't care. Yeah, like, look I'm at Google Glass. Look how far Google Glass was and it just disappeared. Yeah. Like they don't care. I remember like the, two people at game trailers had Google Glass. Jeremy oh, yeah. Hoffman was one of them, and he wore it every day. All the time. Like <laughs> he I'm, would I, wear it out at like a uh, My mental like... picture, I mean, Jeremy moved to, to North Carolina pretty soon after all that. So my mental picture of Jeremy Hoffman is with a Google Still Glass. Still with on. the Google like, Glass. Like, <laughs> he was the Google Glass guy to me. Yeah. Um, so that that actually segues nicely to what is the plan? For Google, because look, how can Google get away? And look, a lot of people on Sifted and just on the internet in general said this when they announced Stadia. And yeah, you mentioned it too. Is Google bails on its stuff so quickly? And I think my my opinion on it was, yeah, but I don't know if they've ever made a bet this big. So I wonder if they would be so quick to pull the plug on something that they spent three billion dollars on instead of one billion dollars but yep they sure are like how do you rationalize this to your stockholders to your business just burning i mean you rationalize it because the things that actually make you a giant are still functioning yeah this is all side project stuff it doesn't matter to them yeah and the the other thing about it is like you know like you you you're like you said like how do you back out of something this big. Here's the thing. I don't think this is remotely the biggest thing they've spent, the most money they've spent on something they've shut down. Really? Maybe prematurely. I think it's the most public 
of them. Oh, you mean there may be stuff like behind the scenes that just yeah, never I'm even sure came out? Yeah, I'm sure there's stuff they've done internally. I think Google Glass cost a whole lot of damn money. Just yeah, there's a lot of R&D alone. there for sure. But Stadia yeah. is the thing that I think Stadia is the most public facing. You know, they had a press conference. They did a big announcement. They, they jumped promoted into the it. industry, they Matt. They yeah. jumped in. Yeah, so like that, I mean, it's, it's the most high profile of the things like this they've done, I think. And they try, look, they try, and I get why they hired Phil Harrison, because they were um, like, I I mean, I do understand it, though, because people look at Phil and they're like, that's that PlayStation guy. That's that guy, yeah, and they like, you need, know it, you know the name. Google needed that connective tissue between Stadia and the traditional games industry mm-hmm. for people like us to make that connection and say, oh. But also for him to make, you know, he knows everybody. Yep. Like if, they, if you need to ha- you need to go talk to all the game companies, Phil, Phil knows them all. And they so. were at E3. I mean, they weren't, and I'll say this for Amazon, Amazon stayed in its lane. It, it did. It never tried to make a big splash at E3, promising things it wasn't going to deliver. A lot of people never even knew that Amazon was making video games at all. Yeah. I mean, we know because we follow the industry, and the sifters know because they use sifted. But everybody <laughs> and we know else, some people that went to that went and worked for them and came back very demoralized. Yeah. And so, first, what do you think happens with Jade? How long do you think she'll be unemployed, Matt? Like she's probably got another job. She may now. already have it. Yeah, because she like, probably uh, caught wind uh, of this back before the holidays. Yeah, I'm sure that she was aware. And like uh, you, any any game studio, game publisher, whoever would be lucky to have Jade. But you wasted um, a like a year and a half of her career. Yeah, and well, what about? It, I mean, EA did the same thing with her Star Wars game. Wasted yes? how much of her? Why are her people there? doing this to her? What, what was is- the last game Jade actually got to ship? Was that like seven years ago? It might have been. I mean, imagine too, Matt, if you, you hire Jade, Jade comes in, she has this design doc she's been working on for a couple years or whatever, and she gives it to you. And she's like, I am willing to share this idea with you. You hired me. I want to make a great game. It's going to move Stadia. And here it is. And then a year later, now that Google owns it, it's done. There's nothing that she can mm. do with it. I would definitely start putting something in my contract that says I still own all my ideas. Yeah, at this point, but you know, Google's employment contract does not allow for that. Guaranteed. And I mean, I'll be honest with you. Most entertainment companies will not allow that. Um, It's like when people create stuff for us, they sign a contract with us. It says anything that you create while you're working with us is property assisted. And that is standard. That's boilerplate standard legal agreement that every entertainment company gives to their employees. And I'm no Google is definitely doing it. I would at least build some, if I were her, I would at least build something. And it's like, this game comes out like contractually, this is going to come out or you pay me an absurd amount of money. Like a pay to play thing. You don't, you can't let me go until this project is complete and on the market. I mean, that it's called pay pay or play. It's, um, it's, you know, it's very standard with directors and, and in the, and screenwriters in, in the movies is like, basically it's a contract to do this movie. And if the movie, if the project folds and gets canceled, I still get paid as if it came out. And that would definitely be the deal I would be looking for if I were uh, in her position. If she doesn't already have that, I hope she already had that deal uh, with Google because I wouldn't have, I, I don't think I would have gone into that expecting Google to not, you know, obviously you, you, you've all had to listen to me rant about this since they announced it. If I were her, I would have had the still in her position, I would have had the same concerns I have on this show. So I hope she got a good deal out of it and made a lot of money and can move on to something that she wants to do next. That's crazy. Um, we were watching this B-roll for Stadia and there are, they're showing stuff in this from the debut press conference that still has not been included yep. in Stadia. 
Still. Oh, th- none of those features ever came out. It never happened. It, it's just st- astounding. They did launch one like a couple weeks ago or maybe right before Christmas. There was one feature that had been missing mm-hmm. for maybe suspense state. I think it was. Where yeah. You could but stop like a lot of the stuff would like the play, you know, switch instantly throw to other devices and stuff like that never worked. And going like, like the whole YouTube integration. Yeah. That nothing. stuff never happened where you could watch a streamer playing the game and then launch it straight into Stadia. Like, all that stuff still hasn't come out, still hasn't no. been like added it, to the service. At best, at best, there were things that like worked on a game to game basis. It's just, it's, it was a, it's a disaster. It has been a disaster. What is the future of Stadia, Matt? Nothing. Nothing at all? A slow limp to nothing. How they, long they do will, you they, think that they will continue down this path of, okay, we're, we're a licensing company now that licenses our tech? Year, year and a half. Do you think? Do you not think they could make some money on that with like eventually cutting basically the whole Stadia staff and having a skeleton crew of like fifty people or something working on it and just working on licensing deals and stuff like I that? I mean, th- theoretically, but um, that's small potatoes to Google. It is like it's not worth using up the office space for that. You know, hypothetically speaking, nobody has office space right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing but, um, that Google. You don't think Google is interested at all in recouping its investment? Um, no. Isn't it crazy that someone can just throw away, like, $3 billion? Yeah, but, like, Google makes that much, and, you know, let's, let's look. How long does it take? Google revenue per hour. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, they make their money on AdSense. They make their money on search placement. I've talked about that before, about how much money we would spend uh, on just on Google.com for key for keywords for Spike TV shows. We'd be ready to launch a new show, and there'd be a couple keywords that we wanted to target, and we'd spend like seventy thousand dollars to have that keyword for like four hour a four hour. Google window. make Google makes about a hundred million a day from ads alone. Wow. So <laughs> I think they're fine. Ah, uh, yeah, I would say they are fine. That's just from ads. That's not yeah. all the money they're it's making from the AWS, from search, from any of it. Now, keep yeah. in mind, they do have a lot of overhead. Just the overhead for YouTube alone is insane. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think we still know if YouTube, YouTube is turning money. a profit still after all this time. Like, I don't know if YouTube still turns a profit. I don't know. I don't think it does. It, I'm guessing it's probably close to break even at this. It better be because, dude, they're running ads like mad on YouTube. Like, they started inserting mid-roll ads automatically into our videos. We have to now manually uncheck it. It's on by default. You have to find it, uncheck it. Otherwise, they'll start inserting ads into the middle of your video with no consent at all. Like, somebody sent me a message on YouTube and was like, hey, why is there an ad in the middle of this? It's weird. And I was like, there isn't an ad in the middle of it. They're like, yeah, there is. And I went and looked, and there was. So I don't know what's going on there. Matt, do you think Google will ever get back into games? Or do you think that, that this is it? They just tested it um, out, and they're going to— I gonna... don't know. That, that's going to depend on which, uh, which random executive suit gets whose ear and what meeting in the, in the years to come. Like there's not there's nothing that would be preventing Google from having like a being like a game publisher of some kind, like yeah. being like an EA equivalent or something. Why do you um, think they're keeping Phil on? Do you think they may try I mean, to license it out to the console manufacturers? No, I think I think Phil's on because he's got a contract. Ah, but I mean, they're, they're, didn't Jade have one too though? <laughs> like maybe they let her out be, of it. Jade is going to be easier to buy out than him because he's going to have a big old executive corporate parish, corporate golden parachute yeah. and, and all that. So they got they got to hammer all that stuff out. All that stuff. It does get really messy when you're trying to get rid of execs. Although I mean, you could argue that Jade was an exec, wasn't she? Like the head of like somewhat, yeah. But like Jade also like you know. 
her, the, her, her termination deal was probably built into the contract and his is probably more complicated because he is, he, you know, Jade is, is an executive, but she's still a creative mm-hmm. and that stuff tends to be more cut and dry than like he, he, that guy who's running an, running a, a department as an executive of whatever. And like, you know, was this, do I get this much stock or like, there's always, there's always extra stuff to negotiate there. They might even want to place him in somewhere else in the in the company. They might want to keep him because of his contacts in the industry. If they don't want to give up in the industry, type, you're going to switch to a licensing model. His content, his Rolodex is still valuable for that. Um, you can find a lot know, of people with. There's a, fat a bunch Rolodex. of different uses I have a they fat could Rolodex. have. <laughs> sure, but like he's already there, and yeah. you know it's it's uh, uh, they probably don't want to want to start completely over there. That might be part of it. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if you saw them, you saw him move on to something, you know, mutually decide to move on to something and, you know, by the summer or something. Yeah. I, I do think that Google will try to stay with it, uh, maybe a little longer than you do, because look, I do think the tech is pretty good. And I do think there are places where it does make sense. Like I said earlier in the, the hospitality industry. Um, mm. I mean, look, if they could install those goofy N64 controllers into hotels, they could definitely get Stadia, and that's no small market. I mean, yeah. I mean, the problem is like, well, first the, the big problem with Stadia was the model. Like, you know, the 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 problem was not just that that streaming is not something people care about on a day to day basis for for interactive entertainment. It's compounded by the problem that they wanted you to pay full price for things you didn't get anything for. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the reasons I'm sure Cyberpunk didn't move the needle was because no one wanted to spend sixty bucks for nothing. Yeah. You know, and now if this does shut down in a year, year and a half, there's that that money's gone. You don't get anything for it. You never got anything for it. Are you surprised that they didn't pivot before, like, do a minor pivot before this major pivot? Like, why wouldn't they just like fiddle that. with the subscription? Because look, both of us said from the beginning, there's no way people are going to pay sixty dollars for a game on Stadium right. that you don't own. Well, my my guess is that they had no choice because the third parties are not going to let you like give their games away for free and they're not going to like let you charge less for them. Um, you know, and then they didn't have any content of their own for probably not for another year minimum. So basically they were stuck. They were, they were adrift at sea in that regard. Like there was nothing they could do and they, or they could either stick with this loser of a business model for the foreseeable future and hope that some things that their internal people made, you know, turn things around like two, two and a half years after they already failed to launch this thing effectively, or they could cut their losses. And and, and in the end, Google tends to cut its losses, as it we does. know. Uh, and again, even your most optimistic projections of the future of Stadia as that in that business model is going to be so small profit margin for Google that Google's just going to be like, why it's not even worth the emails we have to answer about this. You know, like yeah. it's, how can it's it- an economy of scale. It's like that thing where it's like, you know, if Bill Gates is walking down the street and he sees money on the ground, if it's less than $25,000, it's not worth his three seconds to pick it up. Yeah. You know, it's it's that kind of thing with them. Matt, how can consumers ever trust a product from Google again? Uh, this is the old I, saying, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, before, shame on me. Like, even before this, I would say don't. Yeah, you know, but to no. me, Google Glass sh- showed me that. Like Google Glass was the last straw for me on that. I mean, I not that I would got Google Glass or was involved in that, but I saw how much of a push it was and how prominent it became, kind of the tech circles and the industry circles and sort of the on, you know, the the uh, the digerati, if you feel the need to use that term. <laughs> um, but like, and it and it just went away. 
Like they just, they're like, oh no, we're not going to do that. There was Google Plus. I got everybody hooked into that and it disappeared. Yeah. They're competitor to Facebook. Now it's gone. Yeah. You just have to be ready to Google wave anything they do goodbye. I just remember Google wave. Yeah. yeah. Do you even know what Google wave was? Because <laughs> I don't. I don't remember what it was. I remember the name no, though. I don't remember. I think it was like a. I think it was like a video networking Maybe. thing, I think. <laughs> I don't know. I just, Who knows? I'll, I'll just Who say from my personal perspective, I will never trust Google again. Um, it's like the glasses thing seemed like such a far flung idea and it wasn't marketed it that much that it didn't bother me too much. Yeah, Google it was Plus, never a public facing thing. Yeah. Was, so that yeah, I was kind of like, all right, it was kind of a prototype thing. Like Jeremy had to like get into the special program to get one yeah. and blah, blah, blah. It's not like Stadia where they were offering subscriptions to the general public. Yeah. And people could pay. Like I, anybody yeah, Like I pay. said, this is the most public facing thing like this they've ever done. I think this might doom them for, and maybe they, maybe the big decision they just made, Matt, is that they're just not going to do stuff like this anymore. Maybe they finally figured it out. We're not good at this we've wasted like five billion dollars on these lame brain projects we've worked on we need to just focus on what we do well and maximizing our profit through those avenues and maybe that's their play they finally figured it out and they're like you know what i don't care if we kill this because we're never going to make stuff like this ever again anyway because uh, otherwise it's like how no, can you I mean, rationalize they might be saying that consumer like sentiment that, that sliver of google might be thinking that but i promise you Google as a whole has not learned that lesson and they will do and they they will do it again in some form. Well, not like this, but like, they, you know, the, I mean, that's the whole thing that Google does is like the idea behind the functionality of Google is to find new avenues into which to control. Like they, the, the octopus needs to dive its tentacles into more things and, and lock onto it. And this was their attempt to do that with the game industry. And it didn't work. Um, in 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 a in, an, in a parallel with certain other entities we've dealt with in uh, in in large scale control situations, luckily they were too inept to realize that what they wanted to do wasn't going to work before they tried it. Because um, I don't want a game industry that's run by Google. Um, yeah, we have got enough problems as it is, <laughs> run run by who it is run by. Um, Google being Google, Amazon being in control would be. Uh, uh, even more dystopian than it already is. You think microtransactions are bad now. I feel so bad for Jade, Matt. Could you imagine working, spending seven years of your career and being someone who was sought after the mm -hmm. entire time and having nothing to show for it? Yeah, because the last thing she shipped was... Uh... Oh, <laughs> was it Assassin's Creed 3? Like... No, I think it was Watch Dogs. She was credited on a Watch Dogs. Yeah. Yeah, I think the you're first right. one. Yeah. So I think that's the that was twenty. So that was what what twenty fourteen. Yeah. Think Seven about years that. ago. Yeah. I mean, granted, she has like internal stuff that she can take. Right. She has, she has a stuff. portfolio I mean, yeah, she, has, she can show. Yeah, she's getting paid. She has her life outside of her career. She, I mean, she, I'm, I'm sure she's fine. But but also, does her like, reputation become that that's the person who can't ship a game? No, I don't think anyone believes that, given where she was. You know, everyone knows what EA did. Everyone knows what Google did. That was not on her at all. Um, the big, the, the biggest problem is, like, she has all these ideas she'll never see come to light. And the other big problem is that we'll never get to play them. I know. Like, you know, it hurts us and her because she's so good at what she does. And we have been deprived of Jade Raymond's video games for an entire generation. It is insane. It sucks. Yeah. You think she'll get hired back at EA or something? Or what about you? I, I don't think 
I she if probably I doesn't want to go, go back to either no, one. Yeah, I would I would uh, I would shop around to somewhere else or start my own thing. Or I, mean, I don't know what she'll do. If um, I were her, I would probably try to go to like a mid range developer instead. Yeah. You of know what I would do if I were her? I would be like go back to Lucasfilm and be like, hey, can I finish that stupid game? <laughs> that doesn't um, seem so stupid now. Actually, me, can, can you let me go get uh, Amy Hennig and we'll just finish that thing we were doing? How about that? Yeah, How about that. I mean. Who knows? Tell EA what's what and just let us make our own thing. Well, they're going to be competing to make Star Wars games now. So yeah. maybe it is a case where they can kind of, EA is like, hey, we have this pitch. I still would kill to play a Jade Raymond-headed Star Wars game. Yeah. I'd love to see what that would be. And Amy Hennig. I would love to play. And Amy, of course, of course. <laughs> like, I still can't understand how EA didn't make it work. I still can't understand it. Like, I have that. I mean, I asked that question about EA constantly when it comes to star wars for the last however many years it's just it's ridiculous so you, it's, i mean so, and it, it it turned out for the best in the end where lucasfilm finally figured out what they need to do but again that's another loss in the jade raymond column for things we'll never get to play probably yep so matt you think within a year year and a half stadia will no longer exist that would be my guess i mean obviously the tech will be there but i imagine they'll do something else with it that is not branded as stadia hmm. i wonder what that could be I don't know. There's plenty of things you can do with a streaming with streaming tech. That, yeah. You know, it's it, Google has plenty of users for stuff like that. But in terms of like a brand, they they put things out on. Uh, a, it doesn't matter, and B, no one cares. So, yeah. like, you, know, you, you even if you do the hotel thing, like you were talking about, which could be a lucrative licensing thing if you can get critical mass on it worldwide, you don't need to call it Stadia. You know, and, and in fact, knowing the hotel industry, like hotels are going to want to call it their, their own, own thing. branded thing. Yeah. You know, it's like the Hilton, Bellagio Game Arcade or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Hilton yep. Amusement Company or something. You know, you know, shit like that. Yeah. You know? I, I, see, I could see that totally. That would probably be what I think would be. And end if I was up. a hotel, I, hotel, I think hotel you're right, that then is the I most, would want to do that too. <laughs> so. I think you're right. That is the most logical detour. The only reason I came up with it is because I've experienced it before. You know, there mm-hmm. are these crappy video game systems in, in hotels. And, like, the N64 ones were in hotels here in America, like, 14 years after the N64 was sent out to pasture. Um, yeah. That's the other thing. There's a long tail on these things. Once you get the stuff installed there, you can make money on it for a long yeah. time. The only the only obstacle would be um, that is if, if it does become something that's used as a as a pretty standard thing in hotel rooms, that's a lot of bandwidth for the it hotel. Is. Yep. And then you're going to get people <laughs> complaining that they can't make dinner reservations because the Internet is is yeah. awful. And or if you're, a hotel, you know, who knows about data caps in other certain countries, even even companies have to deal with that in some countries like it, it, could, it could get expensive real fast. Yeah. Well, the good news um, is net neutrality is going to be is going to be reinstated. So yeah. hopefully some of that stuff will help um, data caps. It's like a race right now between reinstating net neutrality and data caps rolling out across the United States. Yeah. I have a buddy who works for Comcast and he texted me the other day and he's like, I can't make up excuses anymore. He's like, we're scummy because mm-hmm. they instituted data caps everywhere. And I'm like, I don't have a data cap. I have Spectrum in L.A. And he's like, well, yep, enjoy it while it lasts because now that we've done it, everyone's going to do it. And he's like, because we're the leader. And whatever the leader does, everyone else follows because we're going to take the hit for it. And then everybody else can be like, but look, Comcast already did it. So – Things are not headed in a good direction right now for data in the U.S. Uh, Hopefully, net neutrality can roll in to save the day at the very last minute. But anyway, that's the latest on Google Stadia. Um, We probably really will not talk about Stadia for a long time until they figure out what they're doing and they announce some kind of a deal like we were talking about before with hotels Mm -hmm. or something like that. 
Um, but even then, is it worth talking about? It probably isn't. It won't yeah. be. And you've got the question of like, will the third parties even want their games in that scenario? Yeah. You know, do you, do you want somebody to be able to just go play Assassin's Creed Valhalla in its entirety in a hotel room in Vegas? Yeah. Like when you can go be in maybe Vegas. Just, yeah. Or just, you know, or, <laughs> or you know, you're kind of giving away the game for free there. Is your contract yeah. worth that? You know, like yeah. it's. There's a reason so many of those like, you know, hotel gaming things and bar gaming things are just like ripoffs of old puzzle games. It's true. Like nobody wants their games on it. Yep. It is true. So um, Google has succeeded in making Stadia as of this week entirely irrelevant to our audience. It no, it mm-hmm. no longer matters. And I really regret well, I would say they succeeded at that long, long ago. Yeah. But uh, they just admitted it this week. Well, I really regret now that we added Stadia as a platform on Sifted. There's a <laughs> lot of work and money that goes into doing that stuff. And it was all for nothing. But when you get eight months straight of every major game trailer having a Stadia logo at the end of the trailer, you start to get the hint. You're like, okay, this is here to stay. They're all in. They have partnerships. It's working. Here to Stadia. <laughs> nice one, Kyle. Ugh. Anyway, that's probably the last time we're going to talk about Stadia. I We'll see if like Amazon Luna ends up. Man, if, I'm Amazon, if I'm running Amazon Luna, I'm looking at that like, whoa. I know. <laughs> it's not great. Yeah. Okay. You got to be petrified now. You're like, wait. And especially if, like, work? you know, they, Amazon's got the canary in the coal mine of like, we couldn't even get our own video games off the ground even without the streaming. I thing mean, they already the bailed on making games. They, already so fit, yeah. <laughs> they just, they went straight to the services part of it. They just were like, you know what? We can't make games. We just can't do it. Yeah. They ended up canceling them all and, and they don't understand. Firing I mean, also, one of my like, friends. These, you know, a company on the scale of Amazon and uh, Google. They're just not accustomed to the profit margins of a game publisher. Like yeah. they're like, oh wait, that's all you make off this stuff? It's like, yeah, you sold like however million millions of copies, but you did not like make billions of dollars off. That's not how anything works. Also, while we've been on the air, Jeff Bezos announced he's stepping down. Whoa. The CEO. Well, I mean, what else could he do? He can't make any more money. <laughs> think there's no way you. There's no. There's not. We gotta beat Elon. Elon, mean, <laughs> Elon took over. There isn't a vault big enough in the world to hold all his money at this point. Like well, most of his money doesn't exist. Yeah, it's all. Yeah, it's all theory. Ones and zeros. Yeah. And we, and we saw how that worked out with GameStop. And maybe that's why he's getting out, Matt. Maybe he's like, you know what? I see what's going on here. Maybe I'm going to be the next target and people are going to bail on Amazon. I, mean, I don't know how you, how you manage like that. But like, yeah, I mean, look, at a certain, I, I wouldn't work anymore if yeah, I had I that kind of, if I have even a fraction of that kind of money. I would dedicate like, my whole life to helping other people. There's nothing. Well, no you are better. not Jeff Bezos. I know I'm not. But he <laughs> needs to figure out that, honestly, there's no better feeling in the world than helping someone else, making someone else's life better, making someone else happy. Um, I don't understand how these billionaires don't get it. Like, if you want real joy in your life, help other people. Uh, to me, there's nothing that feels better than doing something for someone else. So maybe he'll figure it out and he'll be, become a philanthropist here. I don't know. That is shocking, though, still, because to me, he was the ultimate greedy F. So <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's going to cash out some of his stock and Amazon stock is going to crash all on its own without uh, a bunch of people like us going and buying it and uh, short and screwing the short sellers. It'll be crazy. Uh, okay, it's time to move on. We're going to talk next about the next Tomb Raider. Um, an announcement came out from Square Enix this week because, believe it or not, Matt, if you need something else to make you feel old... This is the twenty. This year is the twenty-fifth anniversary of Tomb Raider. Um, mm. These anniversaries do more to make me feel old than any ankle that sounds like Rice Krispies or any 
pain that I get whenever I get up out of a chair. It's the gaming anniversaries that make me feel old. Because I remember when the first Tomb Raider came out, I wasn't a young buck. Like I wasn't <laughs> like a three year old or anything like that. Well, I'll I'll give you I'll give you a good one. Um, yesterday, was it yesterday? No, it was the, the January thirty first. January thirty first was thirty three years ago that day. The premiere of the Wonder Years. Wow, the Wonder, that the does Wonder, make me feel old. The Wonder, well, no, wait for it because the Wonder. So you want that was eighty eight. Wonder Years came out in eighty eight and was depicting events from nineteen sixty eight. Yep. And if they launched a Wonder Years equivalent today, it would take place in two thousand one. <laughs> I did see the girl Winnie. Is that her <laughs> name on the show? Yeah, I did see her recently, and is and I was like, I don't think every boy had a crush on her or whatever. I did when I was yeah. a kid. Danica McKellar, yeah, yeah. And uh, I just saw a recent photo of her, and that also made me feel oh, really yeah. old. <laughs> she ha- she has a PhD in mathematics. Yeah, she yeah. she is like a math genius, chemistry as well. Yeah. I think she got out of the industry wisely. Oh yeah, she got way out. She made she her had, money. She and uh, she and Paul uh, got 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 the hell out and did other things with with their lives. Yeah, uh, only Fred Savage. Uh, Stayed in the savagery of uh, of Hollywood. Well, he was the star. He did fine for himself. He, he did. did okay. He absolutely did. He has continued to work, unlike a lot of people. Um, but anyway, so it is the 25th anniversary of Tomb Raider. It makes me yep. feel old. Um, Quarter century. Apparently, it also is making Crystal Dynamics feel old because <laughs> alongside the fact that they said, we're going to be doing a big celebration for the anniversary, they also announced the first details on the next Tomb Raider. Um, and... I guess the headline here... <laughs> Please forget about the Avengers. Right. Well, the big headline, one, is that Crystal Dynamics is going to make it. Right. Um, the originators, the, the OGs of the franchise, are going to go back to it after working on Avengers. But Matt, what does that say about Avengers? I mean, Avengers has been weirdly quiet for a game that was supposed to have monthly DLC updates. So, uh, <laughs> we're still waiting for Hawkeye over here. It feels yeah, like that's not Yeah, what the hell, happening. dude? Where's Hawkeye? Where's Hawkeye? Where's Black Panther? Where's, you know, where's Captain Marvel? You think they're going to bail on it? You think they're not going to? It, it feels like they might, or else they're transferring DLC development to another team somehow, and it's taking a while to make that transition. Do you think that there may be some legal jeopardy involved with that? You Meaning, mean like they're under contract to support it for a certain amount? Or not even, or with, well, maybe that, but also the fact that they've marketed all these things that were coming with the game. And I'm, mm-hmm. I haven't seen the game's box. It may have said on the box, like, DLC to follow, Blood, Hawkeye's Well, it definitely coming. said on the box that Spider-Man was exclusive to PlayStation, and we still haven't gotten that. So right. Right. So where's Spider-Man? Do you think that they could be in legal jeopardy if they don't deliver on some of that stuff? I mean, that that is, uh, there is a legitimate question of a class action there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, because... Believe me, companies have been slapped with class action lawsuits for much less than what's happened yeah. so far with that game. Um, I don't see how they can just bail. I really don't. It seems like anything that they put out a press release for or released a trailer for, they're probably going to have to deliver it eventually. Yeah, or like it's um, – and actually, I mean, I haven't read the EULA, but there usually is a thing that says like it can be terminated after this particular date right? kind of thing, sure. um, and you got to be ready for that. But usually they last as long as that. I mean, even Anthem's still running. You yeah. Know, like, There's still a lot of people running, playing Anthem. It's running it silent, but you can still log in and play it. Like that seems yeah. to be where Avengers is heading at this point. I also wonder if it's quiet because like they are reinventing the game somehow and they're just not talking about it yet because they learned their lesson about saying showing anything too early from this game. So you think they may be um, pulling a Fallout 76 where they're going to leave it up and kind of remodel to, yeah. it on the fly? I think they may be trying to do that, yeah. And like Fallout 76 is not bad now. It's gotten a lot like, better. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, it, they they've, they've whipped it into some kind of shape. It's sort of a... 
Fallout 3.5-ish sort of thing now. Is it um, too little too late? Probably, but... Probably, but at least they did it. Um, right, and you and don't like, lose consumer confidence like Google just did with Stadia. Like, right, and, they, and I do think done, they have made the... good, essentially. With Avengers, you have the advantage that, like, um, there's no equivalent. Like, if I want to play Fallout, I'm just going to load up New Vegas. Like, yeah. I'm on it. You know, that's all. Like, I'm not going to play Fallout 76. I'm going to play new vegas or a heavily modded version of four or three you know like that yeah. it's that's what i'm gonna do or more likely i'm just gonna play skyrim um <laughs> but like if i want to play avengers i'm kind of stuck right yeah like there's the one avengers game there's not, you know that's it but with those characters that's what i'm stuck with so if you can whip that game in a shape and make it something different make it something better make it something more engaging yeah you got my attention i'll take a look at it i'll, play, I'll see what spider-man plays like but like you got to do it you know like right now it's not even installed on my ps5 like i wouldn't you know i don't even know when it updates what a missed opportunity i mean you yeah. have the most important ip in pop culture yeah <laughs> and you you just you, fell you, right you, on you your made, face you put this thing out the year after an avengers movie became the number one movie of all time, all time. and you could not convert i know it's sad but anyway yeah. let's get on to what we really want to talk about today which is something crystal dynamics has done well with and that is the tomb raider franchise um was 2016 i know what what was the year that it was re- the first reboot came out was that t- oh I want to say that was 2014. 2014? Seems like it. Um, and so they they handled that first reboot, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. So they, they handled the two games before that, too. They handled uh, Tomb Raider Anniversary, which is a remake of the first game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they handled Tomb Raider Legend, which was a continuation of that. Yep. Um, this was kind of a, it wasn't a reinvention of the franchise on a level of what you know, the, the Tomb Raider, you know, Japanese island one was, but it was a reinvention in the sense of, you know, everything looked better. The platforming was a little more intuitive and not quite as grid based, um, that kind of thing. So Crystal Dynamics has been in the reinventing Tomb Raider to be a playable game business for quite some time. Yep. Um, and so Crystal Dynamics didn't say anything about Avengers, but said that it is working on the new Tomb Raider. And here's the important part. They are, 2013. The, 2013. The, re- the reboot was 2013. Okay. They stated that they are going to converge the timelines, the plot lines from the first games with the reboots. And and that so, also, so does that mean she's become the Tomb Raider yet? I, Have we I, finally that's, become that's the Tomb Raider? That's why we're talking about this, Matt. How do you do that? How? Well, everything that's happened in the first in the three Crystal Dynamics reboot games still hasn't quite caught up to how old she is in the original Tomb Raider. In the first one? Yeah. Like, she's still a few years older than than she is. She's established more than she is in Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Like, yeah. How old is she in the original Tomb Raider game? I want to say she's uh, late 20s in that. And she's still kind of like 24-ish in uh, Shadow. Um, I think I think there is room there to huh. do that. I didn't realize that. I thought that they she was basically the same age in both sets. No, of I games. think she's supposed she's supposed to be a little. I mean, she's supposed to be an archaeologist with a doctorate. Like she theoretically should be in her late twenties, uh, having have put a few years in in her career in the original Tomb Raider. I would think. Huh. Um, so and she certainly voiced like that yeah. uh, at the time. So basically, what you're saying is that the. The old games already are the continuation of. If you want to consider them that, yeah, I mean, there's there's little element, you know, the the backstory of her father and everything are, is not the same necessarily, but you could you could you could squish it if you had to. Does this mean that like we're gonna start fighting dinosaurs? That's what I'm <laughs> saying. Like, like there was a T Rex in that first right, game, right? Because that's the other part of Tomb Raider. Is it 
the original games were fantastical. They were yeah. almost sci-fi. They weren't realistic. And obviously the reboot. I mean, yeah. so I mean, there's there's like fantastical things in the reboot, but they're they do it like Uncharted, where it's like there's one weird thing L- yeah. in each each game. That's you know, a like, little like supernatural. Like, it's or like Indiana Jones. It's like that one thing's like, oh, I guess that thing really is magic, but everything else is not. Yeah. Mad, you know. <laughs> like everything's like an elaborate contraption that ancient people made with like really, really, really durable ropes. But like um, then, like you get to the like the the giant um, like samurai monster guard things in the first game. Like those things are real. Turns out, you know, and the, and the, the clearly the whatever the ritual was at the end of the first game was real. You know, that was actual magic was occurring there. But generally, yeah, these games are more grounded than the original Tomb Raiders, where you can just round a corner and there's a T Rex in a lost valley somewhere. You know, like yeah, that, because you a have different to jump aesthetic. from a series that's mostly realistic. Somehow she has to get her doctorate. And then the world has to change to a point where dinosaurs exist again. Yeah, I mean, you could. Theor- I mean, look, the, the the dinosaur thing is supposed to be like a lost world thing, like a, like she's in such a remote, isolated place that dinosaurs have survived in this weird jungle. Oh, they area. didn't come back. They've just they just never. No, went they've just they've just always been there. Yeah, ah. always, it's like a King Kong Skull Island gotcha, thing. Like gotcha. this, this dinosaurs didn't go extinct in this one little like baby, the old secret of the lost legend. You remember that movie? Yeah, where they find the di- the brontosaurus in and Africa. Satellites don't work in that area for some reason. It's very with a lot of foliage. It's just is like very very heavy that, canopy. That jungle canopy is real thick yeah it's, it's very very thick it's, it covers all the t-rex hunting it's it's very very uh okay so you've presented a scenario where it's kind of possible do you think it's, yeah, i think you can squish it if you have to do you think i don't know why you want to That's exactly my, my, why my would you is, like, want why? to who cares like who like there's nothing in those original games that makes me think well i hope they save angel of darkness from the you know like who cares yeah what? like why would you want to go back to that I don't know. Like, can you even tell me what the storyline of the first three Tomb Raiders is? No. I can't. Like, there's a guy that betrays her or, is a, or something, or there's a thing about her father, and and then she dies at the end of one of them, I think, and then they do, like, a Chronicles, because four was Chronicles, or just stories of her old, like, things she did in the right. past before yeah. the games. So she's been operating. Maybe she's like thirty or something by the time. It the feels first like game they've starts. already done the jumping thing, and I also wonder why Crystal Dynamics, when they rebooted the franchise, they didn't say these are the prequels to the original series. Yeah, because they hadn't thought of it yet. <laughs> now they're trying to retcon it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, look, if, if, if there's worse things you could do than take the premises of the original games and reinvent them into new games, because it at least saves you the trouble of coming up with new scenarios. That's true. Um, but in terms of, I, I feel like that's the way forward is to say like, okay, the, the, I kind of like what Mortal Kombat did. Yeah. Where it's like, we're just going to retell the first three games in a modern sensibility. Mm-hmm. And that'll be sort of how we integrate the old Tomb Raider timeline into the new one. As as opposed to like saying like, okay, we're just going to pretend, go play the old games. If you want to find out what happens next. Like it <laughs> doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, that's what I would imagine they're doing is like a Mortal Kombat thing where they just sort of, okay, here's, the next game is going to be Tomb Raider 1 through 3 retold and redesigned as the Crystal Dynamics style Tomb Raider game. Do you think it'll work? I feel like it doesn't matter. Like, you know, like it's, it's, uh, you know, y- you can make that as like a pub publicity point as if you want, but like, I don't think it's going to change anyone. Anyway. I mean, it's not going to stop me or encourage me to play it one way or the other. I love those. I love Crystal Dynamics Tomb Raider games. Me too. I, I think that I really enjoy them. Shadow didn't seem to catch. The last the, two games the, the haven't really caught. Had, 
The last two um, games have not Especially sold. Shadow. Shadow, I got the impression at least that Shadow really undersold what they were expecting it to. Yeah. And it was um, great. To the point that I was a little worried that we might not get another Tomb Raider game. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'm, wor- I'm worried if they should make another one. I, I mean, mean, I want them to make another one because I want to play it. I don't selfishly, know yes. Like, decision. I want to play yeah. them, but I don't know that that's a smart financial decision because these get. Ga- I'll say this. They're good. Like, they get the games done in two and a half, three years max. Yeah. Um, so they're not one of these studios that take set, well, Avengers maybe, but they're typically not one of these studios that takes, like, seven years to release a game. So the risk isn't as high as it would be with, like, a Naughty Dog or someone like that. Um, but they're, still, they're on target. I mean, they've got, like, four games out in seven years. Like, that's that's a... It's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this, and look, part of it's because they got the, t- the template of what Tomb Raider should be down in that first twenty, that first game, yep. and they've built on it from then. I think that's fine. I think that's great. Like they, it works. I don't know why Shadow didn't sell. Because uh, I, I think thought people, it was really I think, good. I think you answered your own question. Four games in seven years. Maybe I think it's they're just coming out way too frequently, and people are not ready for another one by the time the next one comes out. Mm-hmm. And that's and I, I think there might also have been like a perceived overlap with stuff like Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Um, it's like you have your open world historically like angled game and that you pick one and that's it. And a lot of people pick something else, you know. It's also hard to theme a Tomb Raider the way you can theme an Assassin's Creed. You can right. Assassin's Creed can always be set in something new. I think after having played the first two Tomb Raider reboots, people realize, okay, these games are kinda gonna be all the same. And they have yeah, been. I mean, they have been, but it's like, I mean, I think there's a there's good contrast between like a, you know, a rainy tropical island and a snowy Russian steppe and a lush tropical jungle. Um, but like, yeah, I think, you, you know, I was excited in Chat of the Tomb Raider to see a bunch of the uh, the ancient civilizations they were dealing with, kind of the, the yeah. Incan kind of looking stuff. But like, to a, a regular person, no one, no, they don't know. What, you know, they're not, you're not going to get excited about that. I'm, I'm an archaeology nerd. I, I, yeah. You can't go by me on that. I think it just became hard for people to see the difference from one to the other. Yeah, I think you need to, to, to whatever, whatever the setting of the new one. I mean, hell, maybe, maybe showing a T Rex come, coming at her is the, the <laughs> maybe kick that's in the, the ass thing needs. You know, <laughs> I would argue as well that the. The second and third reboots lost the edge that the first one had. The first one was kind of shocking. There were moments in that game where I was uncomfortable. It was like a rape scene, a sexual assault scene. Um, it was a lot grittier. The the deaths, like Lara's deaths, were way gorier and like way more stomach-churning than they ended up becoming in the next two games. It, it seemed like they just kind of dulled it a little bit. I don't know if they were getting feedback from people. They're like, oh, that's too much. or And that doesn't make sense. Have problems with I don't her, know. With the- a lot of people have problems with the death scenes in the first one. There was a little torture porn element to it, I think. Yeah. Um, I thought Rise was really good. Um, I thought they, they were all really they did good. That really well. All three of them. Yeah. Um, Shadow, I think, wasn't as good as Rise, but I still liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've played the first one like four times. Like, I've mm-hmm. gone back and replayed that game several times. Like, it's 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 probably one of my favorites of that generation, oddly enough. Um, which is like something I don't always rem- remember. If that yeah. makes any sense. Like it's like, oh yeah, I really like that game. I really like the Tomb Raider games. <laughs> I was not a huge fan of Tomb Raider back in the day. Um neither was I. I never I, I played the first two. I played the first one on Saturn. You want to talk about making things harder for yourself. Um I I, fa- I never found them fun or interesting. They were they were ticky tacky platformy nonsense yep. to me. And I'll be honest, the first couple games 
Tomb Raider games did exactly what I just said, where where I was like, I don't see the difference between this one and the last one. They oh, look like the same game. No. Yeah. It's like there were like vague. Like I remember when like. I remember like now she's going one, to India. It's like right. okay, well, it was like, what, I think there were like little India? graphical things. Like <laughs> I think between one and two, like they found what figured out what curves were. Yeah, you know, like suddenly yeah. the the platforms weren't all squares, <laughs> yeah. and her boobs weren't were curved weren't instead like of triangles. triangles. <laughs> um, and like that's about the big. But I can't remember where things were set. You know, yeah. like there there was no. It wasn't like you know they were trying to do the Indiana Jones thing. But one of the things Indiana Jones always did was like you knew all the different places you were. There were very distinct locations, and Tomb Raider never quite figured that out because the graphics were so primitive in a yeah. lot of ways, and because no matter where you were in the world in Tomb Raider, you were still just solving a bunch of bullshit, pull the lever, jump the platform, yeah. die instantly puzzles that you just did over and over and over again. And half the time in those old games, I couldn't even tell what I was looking at. You know, that yeah. was, those games were, were reaching too far beyond what they could depict of the, in the tech of the time. Yep. I always felt. Any concerns after Avengers that Crystal Dynamics can't deliver on Tomb Raider? Because we say all no. the time that it's not about a studio's name. It's about the people that work at the studio. Yeah. No, I I think they know exactly what Tomb Raider needs to be. Uh, they'll probably be like coming home for a lot of them. They know exactly it's their comfort zone. Also, they are not going to have a licensor breathing down their neck over what they can and cannot do. They are not going to have Square Enix watchdogging them over like this thing, this deal we have with Marvel that extends all these that's other true. teams. You fuck, you that, fuck this right. up. You're going to fuck it up a, for everybody. Yep. You know, I, I think they are the experts at making this series now and they will be left to their own devices and they know what they need to do. Uh, so I, I actually have a pretty high confidence in Crystal Dynamics in to, to deliver a good Tomb Raider game. My, my question, of course, as you say, is it a smart business decision? Will it sell? Will you be able to catch the, 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 catch the spark of the public imagination with it and, and make it sell like that first uh, reboot one did? I hope so. Like, cause the, cause as much as I do want to play another Tomb Raider game, the concern does tend to be in a long-term situation between Avengers. And if like a new Tomb Raider game were not to sell up to spec, you're like, if we lose Crystal Dynamics, that is a gigantic blow to the game industry and to the medium in general. Because I think Crystal Dynamics is one of the is one of the low-key all-time greats. Well, I wouldn't argue against that, Matt. I'll be perfectly honest with you. They have their output also is prolific. I mean yeah. four and, games I mean, in made, like seven or eight years. Oh, yeah. Not many studios that, can they do made, that, man. Uh, <laughs> even before that they made the, the Soul Reaver games. Right. And I love all those. You know, they yeah. Crystal Dynamics make great stuff over the years. They, they have. are, they are and great. they are one studio that has lost people and just brushed it off. And, and kept it going. Like, yeah, they have, they have maintained their identity and they have maintained sort of that high level of quality yep. um, for years and years. Yep. Uh, yeah, so I mean, in Crystal just, Dynamics, we trust. We agree on that one. Absolutely. Yeah. I, it's, I, honestly, the, the tumor, I don't know what it is uh, with the two minute thing, but I kind of, this might just be me and my own bias. I blame Square. Fuck it. <laughs> I like, mean, I just, it's whatever, an easy what, thing to do. Like, yeah. Do they really I mean, get Square's their job is to make a good game. Square's job is to sell it. Yeah. They're the ones with a marketing company, not yeah. marketing department. Yeah. They're the ones who put the, put out the advertisements and handle all the marketing and the promotion and all that. Um, and I wouldn't say that they did a bad job at it. Like no. I've never watched a trailer or a commercial for one of their one of the games and been like, that doesn't really like add no, up. No, there was nothing about Shadow's marketing that turned me off of yeah. it or anything. Whatever it was, just that wasn't that wasn't it. I think it's just I don't know what to tell them. Um, and that's the catch-22 if you're Crystal Dynamics is, okay, Marvel's Avengers didn't work, 
So we're going to go back to Tomb Raider, but it hasn't been all that long since the last right. Tomb Raider game came well, out either. The, so well, It's been a while. The other thing is I think if they can time it right to coincide with a new movie, that's true. Um, that's being, that, that has big... Hmm? When is, is it announced already, the new Tomb Raider movie? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It is... Um, the sequel is... They just announced the director. Same um, actress is the last one? Same actress. Um, oh, hello. Goofball. Um, is that your cat Marco. causing you problems? Yeah. <laughs> Where was it? Um... There is definitely a sequel that they just talked about. But you know there's one coming. And it's there the is. same actress that same actress and um oh Misha Green. That's yes. who is yeah. doing it. Um and she is uh she was the showrunner on Lovecraft Country. Oh, I've heard good things about um, that. I've not watched it. And she was her. she was she's writing and directing. She was a staff writer for Heroes and Sons of Anarchy. Um she's she's got Chops. She's got power. Like she, if, like I am very, very interested to see what she does with this. Any rough um, release date for that? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. My, I mean that 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 announcement was literally like last week. Oh, um. Okay. So I would guess the sequel is 2023, 20, late twenty twenty two. That actually might add up. About it's about right, probably. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And and they might be working kind of in tandem. And you're right, that might give it a little bit of a push, particularly if the movie ends up being good. Yeah, Um, well, especially because that's that's what I did actually think of that when they said talked about integrating the timeline, because the movie, the first movie with uh, um, Alicia Vikander was um, clearly based on the first reboot game, you know, the the, the island with the bow and all the other um, so if they want to tell if if uh, if Misha wants to tell a more traditional Tomb Raider story they might be trying to bring it more into alignment with what the old games were. Cause Misha's the right age to have played those yeah. at the time. So if they, if she wants to do something a little more traditionally Tomb Raider, uh, they might be trying to bring the series kind of in line with that to have a little more synergy, um, which could be real smart because uh, I have a lot of faith in, uh, I have a lot of faith in, in, in Misha Green turning out something worth watching. Yeah, I mean, that timing does seem like it would work out. 2022, 2023. The other thing too, Matt, is that this Tomb Raider will also be the first Tomb Raider on Gen 9 consoles. So that might mm-hmm. boost mm-hmm. his profile even more because it's going to be gore. I mean, just looking yeah, at that mural, I know you couldn't see it, but even the reboot the from 2013 or whatever still looks amazing. So imagine what they're going to do. I think you're right in that, they all look amazing, but they all look similar. Yeah. Like, there is, I bet you if, like, we turned the audio off and someone was watching this stream and I was flipping through all three of those games, I'll bet you people would not know which one, which one was which. Maybe. I would know because of the environments. But uh, I don't know, man. Like, I was flipping through them. They all looked like the same game, except, I, uh, I mean, they did end up looking a little better through time. Like, the first one no, looks a little rougher than the last two. The first one does. And also, the first one is last is the gen before. It's just got a definitive edition right. for the, you know, last gen. Yeah. Still looks um, great. And then, and Rise clearly was a, was a leap there. But Shadow and Rise look very similar. Yeah. Um, using a lot of some of, the, some of the same assets, I would think. But my, my thing is, like, I know the difference between Russia and South America. <laughs> so like, it, you know, the, even the concrete tunnels of each are very different because one is Cold War construction and yeah. the other is ancient Inca. Yeah. Uh, and also she's wearing different clothes in yeah. them. She, you know, she's wearing heavier coats and rise, rise of the Tomb Raider, but they are very similar types of similar games in terms of how they play and what you're doing and where you're going. 
um, and how the they zip look lines on a moment, and all that. To moment basis in a lot. Of oh places. yeah, like I don't think there was a lot, a whole ton of new animation for Lara yep. in Shadow. Yep. Um, and if you can really make that look like something special, you can make it look like some an evolution of that Unreal Five demo. Um, you you probably got something that's going to make some jaws drop. So that might be that might be a help too. Yep. Okay, so there you go. That's all the information we have on the next Tomb Raider. My guess is if there's an E3 this year, we get a first trailer for it or at least a teaser trailer. Um, mm-hmm. And right now I'm thinking E3, if it's going to happen, is going to be like September or October, something like that. Yeah. Um, if it happens. It's starting to look grim now. I mean, some of the vaccine plans are starting to roll out now, finally. Um and I don't know. It's going to be a crapshoot, man, where we can get everybody vaccinated fast yeah, enough. I don't, I'm happy I don't, to see gonna... it ramping up drastically, though. Yeah. Well, we're not going to see E3 this year unless they do it late. Yeah. Um, Definitely not in June. Yeah. Don't don't we, book we might, any flights to LA no, for like we the might first get to go do. to uh, we might get to go to the Game Awards in person. Yeah. That's about Towards all. Towards the end of the year, that could absolutely happen. That would be great too, man, for the industry to get back together for the first time. What a day that will be for anything for anyone to get back together. What a day it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> what a day. Uh, okay, let's move on. We're going to talk next about a game that kept yeah. me up last night. One one second, I do have to move the cat. Okay, <laughs> she's, she's getting very antsy, closing the room. Okay, I can uh, take control while you do that. Uh, we're going to talk next oh. about a game that kept me up last night because it was a part of the PlayStation oh, Plus collection uh, oh. that was going live at midnight Eastern, nine p.m. Goodbye. our time here in Los Angeles. Goodbye. Um, and that game is Destruction. All-Stars. It was originally supposed to be a launch game for the PlayStation 5. Um, As we got closer to launch, it was delayed past launch, and then it was announced that it was going to come to PlayStation Plus subscribers on the 1st of February or the 2nd of February, depending on when the stuff goes online, Um, and it was going to be free for PlayStation Plus subscribers, but you were not going to be able to buy the game until April, and that has held true. Um, The other part of this is, if you're a PlayStation Plus subscriber and you do not have a PlayStation 5, you cannot play this game. It is a PlayStation 5 game only. Um, And that was a big point of contention when it was delayed from the PS5 launch because it was one of, like, two games that were PS5 only. Um, This game is published by Sony. Matt, this is a first-party game. Yeah. I had not realized that for some reason. I was almost stuck with this game because it was part of the GameStop bundle I bought for the PS5. Oh, really? And then when they delayed it, there was a question of whether the bundle would get delayed to February. Oh. And uh, me. And oh, yeah. What happened probably, with that? Oh, they ended up just canceling the Destruction All Stars part of the bundle. And so, did they give you some money back, though? Yeah, they gave me like the like sixty bucks back. Oh, wow. Wait, this game was gonna sell for sixty bucks or whatever it was, fifty oh. bucks maybe. Oh, wow. Fifty. It was. It was a. It was not cheap. It was not a nothing. Really. Oh my god, I am shocked to hear that. Because I'll just tell you this, Matt, I do not think they're even going to sell this game. I don't think that they're going to charge people for it. I Maybe at first, for like the first couple of months, I think they're going to realize really quickly that nobody is going to pay money for this game. I think they already know that. I mean, it is, it is built already like a free-to-play game. It's mm-hmm. loaded with cosmetics that you have to pay real money for. And are really hard to earn on your own, I would add. Like, a lot of the stuff is easy to earn, like, if you want, like, a new avatar or a new icon or a new banner for your name. Like, I earned that stuff, like, pretty quickly. But then if you go and start looking at the prices for, like, a single skin for a single character, oh, Mm -hmm. they're, like, 
$5 in real cash or like the rest of your life through play. I, I was like, there's no way in hell I'm ever going to unlock a skin playing this game. Um, maybe I went a little bit too far into that. I should have maybe explained to you guys exactly what it is. There hasn't been a lot of promotion for this game. Um, it has like two or three trailers, I think. Uh, Sony did do like a little gameplay like vignette thing uh, not that long ago that uh, showed off kind of how it plays. Um, but I downloaded this sucker last night at 9 p.m., and uh, I started playing it right away. And I probably played it until around 11.30, something like that, because then I had to get all the footage and render it so we had B-roll for the show today. But I did spend a pretty good amount of time with it. And essentially, it is just a crash-up derby game. Um, I really mm. kind of thought it was going to be something a little more than that. I thought there was some other kind of element to it. And there is, like, you can get out of the cars and you can be on foot but the, uh, basically the objective, once you get on foot, is to find a car as quickly as you can because you're a sitting duck when you're running around. Um, so the basics of it is there are four different modes. There are two modes where it's every man for himself, and then there are two modes that are teams where it's eight versus eight cars. And essentially what you're doing is you're trying to wreck the other cars, and you're trying to keep from getting wrecked at the same time. Um, and there are... You do have tools to do that, like you shove the right stick forward to ram cars, you tap the stick right or left to kind of like sideswipe them, um, and then each character, and there are tons, there are literally like already almost like 20 characters in this, Matt, and they're all different. Yeah. I was surprised I just, by that. I just looked up my order. Uh, they were charging 70 Whoa! It was a PS5 price game. They gave you? Did they give you seventy bucks? They gave back me like it? yeah. They reached the, <laughs> so the, the price dropped by seventy bucks when they canceled the destruction. Oh, well, you out hit of the, the gold mine then, Matt. I mean, you got. I don't think they're ever going to sell this for seventy bucks. No. So I think you may have actually won that deal. Oh, I mean, I didn't want it. I, I just wanted the system. It's bad enough. I got an extra controller and all this other crap. But like, yeah, yeah they uh, th- that was that was part of the bundle. Like, they, and to me, that was just like you know you're not going to sell this thing. Yeah. Like, you're going to force me to get this stupid launch game. Yep. Well. Um, and it didn't even make it. So, yeah, that was good. I was, that was, that was, yep. uh, they couldn't, couldn't ask for a better outcome there. <laughs> yep. So, you have the smash when you get smash in, you have the side swipe. And then each character also has two specials, essentially. One generally is an offensive attack, and the other one is generally defensive. Um, and like most games of this ilk, they're on a cooldown. So, you can't just keep spamming over, over and over. You got to wait. Um, Winning in this game was very confusing to me, Matt. Like, figuring out how to win. And there are some people who figured it out very quickly, and most of the matches I played in finished with everybody in the field at, like, 20 to 30 points, and then one or two other players with, like, 300 points. So Hmm. there's something that you do in this game to win that I was not able to figure out in three hours of playing it, other than trying to smash the other cars. Um, And you do get points for that. Uh, and I, I know you it, like how big the smash is, is like how many points you get. But like there were times where I would barely tap a car and I'd get like 15 points. And then there were times where I'd run from one side of the arena to the other and nail the, the ram perfectly and just T-bone a car. And it would be like minor hit. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, so it seems to me that the scoring is a little bit arbitrary. Um, meaning, like, I could not figure out what I should be doing to be successful at the game after playing it for several hours. Um, once you... so it seems like you, a real big problem for a multiplayer game. Yeah, it is a problem. Um, the other thing I couldn't figure out is, like, 
where the cars spawn, that's a big part of it because some cars are way more effective than, than others. Some cars are like tanks and take a lot before they get destroyed. And then you can get a hatchback that like only takes literally like two hits before it's done. And the, the speed increase is not enough to rationalize it. So everybody races for the trucks. Um, and there is a mechanic built into it. Like when the game starts, you start at like a starting line and you run. And you jump off this huge platform and it's a dash to get to the cars. Um, and so everybody runs for the trucks because they're far more durable. And so it, it becomes this thing of, well, you get a little car, but you don't want to use it that long because you need to get one of the bigger ones because you're going to get destroyed. The other thing, too, is that any collision that you have in this game gives you damage. So if you accidentally sideswipe a wall, like I one time barely hit a wall with my left rear quarter panel of my car, and I went from perfectly healthy car to smoking and dead in that one hit. So I don't know if there's a problem with, like, the hit detection or, like, there's something with the physics engine where the game thinks that things are either harder or lighter than they really appear to be when you're playing the game. But it was very frustrating to me. And I think that that contributed to me not being able to figure out how to get good at the game and how to win at the game. Um, and, look, because there is, like, a big race to get to the cars, there's a mechanic built into it. Um, even when a car is driving by, you can jump on the roof and it begins this like button mashing mini game, um, where it like the button changes from square to triangle and you're jamming square and triangle, hoping you're doing it faster than the guy who's driving the car. And if you do that, you can take over the car. The reverse is true if you're driving the car and someone tries to take you over, you need to fight them off. Uh, I also found that you, if they're on your, on the hood of your car or on the roof of your car, you can hit a wall, and it, that will f- make them fly off. And that was very rewarding, I would add. But I guess basically after spending several hours with this game, it just seemed like it was all luck. Like, just hitting another car in this game is really hard. In fact, if they're not, like, already hit or sitting still because they hit a wall or something, it can be almost impossible. The cars move so fast. There's so many other cars. I mean, the main mode is called Mayhem, and that is absolutely appropriately named. Um <laughs> Because it's just completely bonkers. There's just cars going everywhere. And actually landing a blow on one while they're moving, I found it to be nearly impossible. Um, people watching the B-roll right now, you can see that the on-foot stuff does have some platforming. Once the game starts, when the game starts, there are cars on the ground. Once the match begins and it's already happening, though, you generally have to platform up to the platforms to get to the cars. And that's, that can be kind of fun because sometimes you'll be next to somebody else, and it's almost like this little competitive platforming game to see who can get there first. And if you get there first, you jump in, then they jump on top, and you go through the little mini game. Um, but my biggest struggle with enjoying it was it just seemed so random. And the other part of it, too, is that I didn't really see any advantage to leveling up. Like, I think I got to, like, level five or something before I quit. And all I ever got was, like, two avatars and two banners to go behind, like, my avatar. I never unlocked any skins, any th- like, no power-ups for the cars, um, no, like, new paint jobs for the cars. Like, so the progression wasn't great. The stuff, it appeared to me, cost too much if you want to buy the skins and things like that. it Just the whole game appears to me to be set up to be free-to-play right out of the gate. I really struggle to think that in April they're going to charge people for this. And if they do, I think it's going to be like 10 bucks, 15 bucks, something like that. I just, I don't know how anybody would rationalize spending that much on it. But look, as a free PlayStation Plus game, that's a PS5-only game. And I will say this, it you can tell it wasn't built as a PS5 game. 
Um, it looks like it was originally a PS4 game that they've up and maybe done a little bit of work on. Um, so it's free if you're on PlayStation Plus right now. I definitely recommend downloading it. It's not that big of a file, um, and so it's not that big of a risk of checking it out. But I have been playing a lot of Rocket League, and so I thought that maybe this game might be similar. And the only part that's similar is it's Rocket League without all the other fun parts. It just has the <laughs> smash-up derby parts and without the strategy part, in all honesty, or, like, the competitive balance. It just became so random. Like, the one multiplayer mode, everybody just goes out and matches other cars, and as you do that, you accumulate points. And then there's, like, a like a big column of light in the center of the arena, and you have to deliver the points before you blow up because if somebody blows you up they get your points. And that had a little bit more strategy. It was a little bit easier to understand, but you're still dealing with the total random nature of being able to strike another car at top speed. It just, I just found it to be really, really hard. Um, even harder than Rocket League. And it's hard to do it in Rocket League too. So um, Destruction, All-Stars. Uh, I was surprised how many characters were in it. I'll say that much. Like they have done a pretty good job of having a lot of content at the game's launch. There's a lot of maps, too. Although I would also argue that the maps are kind of hard to tell the difference between. Um, They all kind of look the same. It is technically supposed to be a sport, so I don't know if they're trying to create kind of the quote-unquote even playing field element for this. Um, But it just felt really random. There is fun to be had. Like, it is. there is a lot of mayhem. The vehicle damage is pretty good. Uh, Vehicle damage does affect the performance of your car as well. Uh, So, And I even had a car one time that was riding on a rim. So the damage is pretty extensive and pretty cool. Um, But ultimately, I just didn't feel like there was a competitive balance there. I don't think I'm going to give up on it right away. I think I will spend a little more time with it and give it maybe another chance. But I just I had to get this under the gun before the show today. So I just had to go full bore and sacrifice some sleep last night to uh, give it a go. Um, Do you have any questions about it, Matt? Nope. None. (laughs) Do you have no interest in this at all? Absolutely zero. Why? Why not? Because you don't hate driving games. I don't like arena destruction derby stuff. Ah. Um, I don't, I, I, and like my main memory of most like competitive destruction derby style things are exactly what you're talking about with the random damage yeah. and kind of like, why did that happen? And it yeah. all sounds exactly like what I was expecting. It looks extremely unappealing. Uh, it yeah, mostly makes me models want... aren't compelling. I'll say that. I didn't find too many that I was like, I want to play that no. guy or I want to play it that girl. It mostly makes me want another Twisted Metal, nah. um, and uh, I I only got so much space on that tiny little hard drive. I'm not using it up yeah. on that. Like, the other thing I would it is say free. too is that the specials in this game you have to like pay attention to even know that they're happening. Like they're so subtle. They're not like these things where like the car turns into a nuke and like blows apart like you know 15 cars around you or anything like that. There's like little like barriers that will come up to denote like a shield there are a couple kind of a little more attractive attacks but for the most part they're pretty subdued and pretty subtle um i did have fun playing it uh maybe some people will find a little more enjoyment maybe they'll figure it out quicker than i did and kind of understand where the competitive balance lies i struggled with that personally um but again if you have playstation plus it is free um and so and it is a ps5 exclusive you can't play it on ps4 but uh i don't know i I struggle to see the lasting power, particularly after they delayed it and gave them more time. I would have thought that they would have, that would be one of the things they'd be working on late stage is balance and things like that. So I'm a little disappointed in it. I didn't have crazy high expectations for it, particularly after it was delayed. But I think it ended up being probably even a little mm-hmm. bit worse than, than I had hoped that it would be. 
I take it this is what you were asking about the updating of the PS yes. Plus games. Yeah. That's, so yeah. yeah. So last night I'm waiting for this to come online, and it was like almost ten o'clock. And I was like, where the hell is it? The game isn't showing up. And I texted Matt, and I was like, what time do the PS Plus games go up? He was like, midnight Eastern. I refreshed, and literally it appeared right in front of my it was, eyes. Well, it was funny because like when you did that, I'm like, what was he looking for? So I it actually exists. turned the PS5 on <laughs> and went to PS Plus. And it was all the same stuff, except I hadn't gotten the second half of January game, which I was that – is that Tomb Raider? No, I was, don't know. I, just, was, I didn't even look at anything else. I just grabbed this because I. It was a pretty good. It was something time. pretty good. That I'm like, oh, I already own that, but I'll I'll get it. Um, and uh, and it, it was nothing. I'm like, I don't know what he was looking for. And then like this morning, I turned on the PS5 to uh, uh, to play Balan, to play Balan Wonderland, and I looked at. It, I was like, oh, that okay, <laughs> yeah, it's all new stuff now. Okay, I get it. Yeah, I played a lot of games this week. It's crazy because it looks like there's nothing in February, but I spent a lot of time playing video games this week for Game Face. Um, okay, I, I've pretty much said all I need to say, at least based upon the amount of time that I've spent with it. If I go back and play more, and it is a really slow month, if I go back and play more and I feel like my opinion on it has changed, I will absolutely come back on Game Phase and talk about it. Um, especially if, if I'm if I'm playing a game and I didn't like it at first and I end up liking it later, I will always make sure to come back and talk about the fact that I actually did end up liking it because I feel like at that point I owe personal responsibility to the developers um, to make sure that I provide an accurate representation of their products. So if I do play more and I end up liking it more than I did at first blush, uh, we'll be back next week to talk about it. But for now, it's time to move on. and We're going to talk about what I thought was going to be the last topic in Game Phase 245 until this morning. <laughs> and that is the medium. Um, probably the biggest game release of the week, I would argue. Um, the game is made by Bloober Team. It is not what I expected it to be at first. I really thought the game was going to be a lot more action-oriented than it ended up being. Um, I thought it was like a survival horror game, mm. which it still kind of is. But it's really... Somewhat. It's more of an adventure game. Yeah, it's a horror adventure, basically. There's Which is what Bluebird team has made. Yeah. But so. I think if I remember correctly, when I've talked about it in the past, I was like, oh, I'm glad to see Bluebird team like breaking out a little bit and getting a little more action into its games. As it turns out, this is a lot like Bluebird team's other games. Very atmospheric, uh, but mostly puzzle-driven, item puzzle-driven. Yeah, not a lot of Twitch in it. No. Um, now... I. Matt, I'm not sure if you got to the part where you did end up using powers for kind of attacks. Did you ever get to that point? Um, I mean, I had the things where you shoot the lightning out to defend yourself and like you use the okay. shield to get through things okay. and stuff. Like there's you know, there's like a rudimentary threat combat fail and you die thing going yeah. on. At the, but yeah, I got to that stuff. Yeah. There, so you basically have two supernatural powers. One's a shield and one is like a, a psychic blast. Um, but you you hardly ever use it. Like the psychic blast, you hardly ever use at all, other than so. To, like, I've used the psychic blast to power things switches. way more than yeah. than fight things. Yeah. yeah. And the shield, you do end up using a lot, but well, not a lot, but fairly frequently because there are they try to block you off from certain levels or certain portions of the level with like bats. I don't know if they're bats or locusts or whatever. They're moths. Moths. They're, and you use yeah. the shield to like run through those walls of moths. Yeah. But anyway. I don't, my favorite item is the razor uh, that you use to cut through skin walls, which is not a razor. It is a physical manifestation of regret. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is the kind of content I am here for, Bloober <laughs> Team. Well done. 
Uh, before we start talking about the nuts and bolts of the medium, we should give a quick plot synopsis. Um, you play as a young girl, and uh, she has struggled through life with this issue that she's had where she can basically go to this other place where she's living in two realities. And the other reality mm. is reality of the dead. And she has learned through time that she is a medium who can help people cross over to the other side when they're stuck in the middle. And she is returning home to um, bury essentially her father who had, who had adopted her or fostered her. I can't remember. So he's a foster father, but basically he kept her. He had taken for, care of her. Her whole life. Yeah. yeah. He had passed away. He ran a funeral home and she comes home to basically take care of his, uh, his final considerations. Um, she gets there and she goes into the, into the mausoleum. She has to like dress her dad for his funeral um, and she has sort of one of her first si- sort of psychic breaks and goes to this nowhere land where her dad is there. And she has to convince him to cross over to the other side. And that kind of introduces you to really the major plot point that is the crux of the game. Um, as soon as that whole scenario kind of plays out, um, she then gets a phone call, a mysterious phone call from someone saying, I know, and look, she's getting tired of this. She's tired of living this life where she's caught in between two worlds. She doesn't want to really be a medium anymore. Um, And a guy calls her and is like, I know what you are and I know how to help you. Come here to this resort. Because she has a recurring dream about a girl being killed and she and the girl has a, has a, a a cut on her cheek that mirrors her scar on her cheek. So she's not sure if that's a memory of herself or like yeah, she, she's she obviously alive. <laughs> and she, yeah, and the little girl in her dream, and you're seeing the dream right now in the B-roll. In spoiler alert, is killed. So yeah, she's alive. That's the first line of the game is it starts with a dead girl. Yeah, um, and she's and obviously the the lead in this game is alive. She's living yeah. in the real world. So she's or like, or so can't we be believe, me. right? Yeah, because that is kind of the question throughout mm-hmm. the the thread of the game is like, what is, and they start to muddy it too. Like, what is the real world? Um, yeah. So anyway, she also goes, this this does take place in Poland. Yeah. Uh, in 1999. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. Just I mean, the the developer is Polish, um, so it's kind of close to home. But a lot of the action takes place in a kind of an abandoned Cold War era sanitarium. Uh, and like it, it has that sort of like brutalist, like everything's a concrete block. So, I mean, it, it's the setting is important to the atmosphere of the game for sure. Yep. Um, which was a nice, and also the, the recreation of Krakow is gorgeous. Yep. Um, they did a really good job. I mean, obviously they live there, but <laughs> it, it looked really nice. It was, it doesn't look like other game. It was, it, it, it feels unique. I thought it was, I thought it was nice to not be set in, you know, New York or something like yep. everything else. Um, so she goes to the resort, she breaks into the resort, she gets into the foyer, and she meets a dead little girl with a missing arm, which is truly grotesque. <laughs> it's very hard to yeah, look at all the dead other. people are kind of like, it's not, it's like weird, it's, it's, um, they're not, it's not gory, but it's also like gory, it's like, and like, instead of like blood and guts, it's like everything sort of has become fungus, almost, yeah. like it's, well, it's a, it's an interesting a in aesthetic, head. yeah. And there's where, one where the, scene where, where I, she hugs him and the wound is like right up against yeah. well, her I face. Think, <laughs> I think that's like a representation of like what killed him. I think right. he, I think it was like cancer or whatever, brain cancer or right. something. Yeah, and then the little girl's missing an arm. Um, but it the appears, arm, like her other arm is like hanging by threads. And so it's, it's and every, all the dead people have like masks yes. on, like um, marble masks. And in some cases, the the dead people need to get their masks back 
so that they mm-hmm. can get to the other side. And yeah, there are, a lot of them don't seem to know they're dead. Right. And the mission objectives, a lot of them, the end result is getting a mask and then taking mm-hmm. that mask back to this lost it's, soul so they can cross over. It's a really different take on Spirit Fairer. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> um, and so once you get into the resort, it definitely turns into like more survival horror-ish without the guns. Uh, but the game uses fixed camera angles throughout uh, that took me some getting used to, Matt. I There's lots of door lights. Like They'll give you like a shot of a long hallway, and you have to just go into one of like the 12 doors that are on the one side of the hall, and you're trying to get her to like get into that little cubby so she can walk in the door. Like A lot of times, the camera angle will switch while you're walking, and for the next like second, when it cuts the next camera, you're walking the wrong direction. And you have to reorient the analog. All the issues. Yeah, well, it kind of depends. Like, it does do the thing where when the camera angle switches, if you're holding a certain direction, it will maintain that direction, that direction? for the character. But it's, it's that thing where, like, when the camera switches, you have the instinct to readjust your your direction on the analog yep. stick, and that can like send you in the wrong direction and go back to where the camera was. But it's, it's a pro- problem you've had with with uh, fixed cameras since Forever. Resident Evil. Yeah, you know, it goes goes back to the. And this one 95s. has it too. Um, but it does do a good job of setting some scenes, building some tension. Uh, there, yeah, there it are works. charms. It doesn't frustrate me as much as it as it doesn't frustrate me as often as it pays off. I would say. Well, I think the reason it's not as frustrating is because you don't shoot. If the shooting yeah. has always been the problem, because in a lot of the old Resident Evil games, a lot of times you're shooting enemies that you don't even see. They're off mm-hmm. camera. You just know where they're coming from, and so you just automatically start shooting in that direction. Uh, in this game, you don't really do any shooting at all. Uh, and so that alleviates a lot of the issues mm-hmm. that people have had with fixed cameras in the past, um, which is nice. So the fixed cameras in this aren't as big a deal as they have been in other games. Don't let them scare you off from this one. Yeah, it's not an action-oriented game, really, outside of a couple of time stuff. Yeah. Um, um, as she gets into the resort and starts digging around, the game turns into the... Find this thing here, find this other thing there, mm-hmm. combine the two items, now use that new combined item somewhere else. Yeah, There's it a, actually owes a fair amount to like point and click adventure games. It feels like a point and click adventure game. Yeah. That's what it feels like to me, but a modern yeah. one because it's all I've in def- 3D. No, I've definitely thought that. I've def- it's definitely under my, I mean, I don't know, that's not a criticism. No, like, not I, at I, all. I, I, like, all. I like those games. Me too. But I definitely have thought that several times. Uh, the other interesting mechanic is the out of body thing. Yep. Um, where if you hit a point where you cannot progress any further in the real world, you can hold B or I assume circle on the yep. PlayStation and you basically transition entirely into the spirit world and you can walk freely in the spirit world without, because when, when you're in both, there's a lot, you know, it's a split screen yep. and she's like, you're controlling her in both worlds simultaneously. But if you can sw- switch to only the spirit world, you can walk around separately and solve some stuff and find some items and do that. that the, 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 the trick is that, it's timed and her, her body basically disintegrates over time. And if you wait too long, you get sucked back into your own body and have to start over. At first, eventually you do get to sections where they let you go into that other world and it's full screen and they don't mm. even split it. And they let you just stay there as long as you want. It's like they came up with the idea and they started making the game and they're like, you know what? We're really not going to be able to make this, this work for, for everything. Yeah, it's like- <laughs> Yeah, but there's it, only so, so long you can push that puzzle type. And I'll say this, like the dual reality thing, because you're controlling two of her at once with a split screen, at first it's really simple and really easy. It does start to get confusing and confounding 
towards the end of the game. There are a couple times towards the end where I wish I could have looked at a guide, um, but there mm. aren't any guides yet for the end of this game. <laughs> and so I just had to figure it out. And it just was a lot of trial and error because like there was this one puzzle where you go into this schoolroom and you look at like a list of students and then there's a bunch of seats around the classroom. And you're basically trying to, I didn't realize it at the time, you're trying to cross-reference the, the seating chart or just the chart with the seats. And the chart, the very last option at the chart had this little tiny one pixel sized white icon that you would never see, ever see, if just playing the game. I was stuck on that puzzle for forever. And then finally I just looked at that chart again and just started scrolling all over it with my analog stick like crazy and the little thing popped. And I was like, you gotta be effing. Like I was so mad. Hmm. There are parts like that in this game where the clues are like hard to find. The icon maybe doesn't flicker at the right time when you're walking by something. And so you go past it and do a bunch of stuff that you don't need to be doing. Um, the The resort is like a labyrinth where, you know, you're way deep in it, and then you unlock a door, and all of a sudden, huzzah, you're back in the foyer. Like, the level design mm-hmm. is kind of that way. It's pleasant. Like, it's a pleasant surprise at, at certain points. Um, you're seeing right now in the B-roll, this is like the very first puzzle that you solve um, in the split world. And you're about to see as well, when you're playing in the dead world, you have to recharge your character. And she has, like, these bands that go up her arm. Um, you basically recharge her with, like, spirit power. And the spirit power is what we were talking about earlier that you use to either ward off enemies or you can use it to flip switches uh, and things like that. So the I would say this. The, the level design made the dual world stuff more confounding than the actual dual world puzzles. Um, tr- mm. Because, like... As Matt was saying earlier, and you can even see right here, like right now it looks like in the dead world you should be able to walk through that door. But you mm-hmm. can't because at this point they're not letting you detach from the real world. So you have to figure out how to unlock the gate in the real world to get through. Later on down the line when you get that ability to hit the B button or the circle button and detach, then she can walk through those those doors. And there's there's some interesting puzzles in this too. There's one room you come into and there's like a grandfather clock and you change the time on the clock and it changes the room and opens up like passageways that eat that one or the other can or cannot get through. And that's kind of how all the puzzles work in this is you're, you figure out what you can do in the real world, what you can do in the dead world. And then they start presenting you with puzzles and you have to manage that all while figuring out, well, can I get there? Because she can get through this door um, in the dead world. She can't get through this other door. That's kind of how the whole game is designed. Um, Matt, did you? And I know, I know your answer to this already, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Did you find the game scary? No, I, I knew you were going to say no. You don't find anything scary. Not really. I do think it looks really nice, though. I like it. Like I like how everything looks. I like the design of the spirit world. Uh, I can definitely hear the Akira Yamaoka music yep. in there. Like there's, I had forgotten the, the about that there. actually. That's right. Um, it's all really well done. Like I, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying it fails at being scary. I'm just saying I don't get scared by things that aren't real. Um, but I like it. I enjoy it. Uh, and I think it, um, it captures like the, the thing I like about the scary things I like are about terror and dread. Yeah. And, uh, this one does a pretty good job. Yes. Uh, Medium does a pretty good job of doing that. Uh, not, yeah. it's not, it doesn't go for a lot of cheap jump scares no here scares. and there, none. but it there's does, really uh, uh, it, there's a couple I've seen. Um, but it's not common. It's not, it's not a standard mode. It's standard mode is something's wrong. Yeah, 
And I was uneasy playing this whole game. Like the little girl, the little girl that you meet at the beginning, she isn't just like a bit character. She's not like, Mm -hmm. hey, welcome to the resort and runs off. She's a thread through pretty much the whole game. And she's not scary. She doesn't, she isn't trying to be scary or creepy. She's just a normal little girl, but there's something very off about her. Yes, it's very unnerving. It's really well done. Yeah, I I felt on the edge of my seat playing this game. It wasn't scary. Like my heart wasn't like beating through my chest. Like, like. Even the jump scares are really subdued. Um, mm-hmm. There is a Mr. X kind of element to this from Resident Evil, where there is a creature this kind of all around the resort that you end up bumping into over and over and over again. And that also debuts stealth elements into the game, which was one thing I was really surprised to see. Um, and there's a mechanic where you can hold your breath um, and you can't really see the monster And at first, you think the monster is trapped in the dead world. So you have this sense of security when you're back in the real world. You're like, okay, you can't get to me now. I can run around freely. I don't have to worry about holding my breath. I don't have to, like, sneak around and be quiet anymore. And then something happens, and that all changes. And suddenly, you're on edge all the time. Um, It's something that you have to deal with all the time. And again, he's invisible. So a lot of it is, like, listening to his sounds. And some of the stuff that he says is just... Wow. Like, it is an unnerving game. And Bloober Team is very good at this. That is what they're really champions of, as far as the indie space is concerned, is just creating this unnerving feeling that you have while you're playing their games. Like, we're like, everything isn't as it seems. I always mm-hmm. seem to have that thought in the back of my head while I'm playing Bloober Team games. And this game, absolutely. I mean, there are so many supernatural elements in this game that I don't know how anybody could just sit and play it and not be like, what the F is going on? Um, I thought the writing is really good in this. I think the voice acting is really good in this. I do think it looks good artistically. Technically, it's not really quite up to scratch. Um, I don't think it is. You can tell it's Bloober Team's engine that they've been using for a long time, and it's not terrible, um, but you don't get a lot of like the whiz-bang crazy effects that we're all starting to kind of get used to now with the PS5 and Xbox Series X. Um, and actually, someone in chat said that this is not available for PS5. It's only on Xbox. And then the other thing, too, is that this is also on Game Pass. Yeah. So go spend that dollar. You can play Zist. You can play Cyber Shadow <laughs> all this weekend, this coming weekend or yeah. this week if you want there's to. A, the, there's a Stephen King quote I like uh, where he talks about the three kinds of, of, of terror or horror. Where it's like gross out, which is gory stuff, and horror, which is unnatural stuff like giant monsters and and zombies and stuff, mm-hmm. and terror, which is when you come home and notice everything you own has been taken away and replaced by an exact substitute. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this this game, while it does have its fair amount of you know unnatural monsters, yeah. it does a really good job of doing the terror thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the the dread is well done. Yeah, um, I mean, I'll look. But I very quickly I started. I cared about the main protagonist. Um, yeah, she's good. They do and a good job of making you care because you can see, you know, the death of her foster parent really broke her up. And, like, they do a good job of building who she is before she ever gets to the resort and she starts interacting with some of the more crazy elements from the game. And you're seeing right now the little girl um, that we've been talking about uh, throughout our discussion. Matt, the Metacritic for this is sitting around a 7.1. How do you feel about that? Um. I don't know if I'd rate it that low so far. Obviously, I'm I'm not that far into it. I'm only a couple hours in. Um, but, like, it doesn't surprise me it got that, yeah. I guess, would be the way I'd say it. Like, that's about what I think this would review as, although my personal review might be a little higher at this point. 
Yeah, I I finished the game, and I do think that that score is a little low. But at the same time, I personally struggle to give games like this scores much higher than that, unless they're just like transcendent, like god tier. Mm-hmm. Um, I think generally for a good point and click adventure game in 2021, a seven's probably about yeah. right. But like just as a in terms, I yeah, that's that's true. But also like a horror game that actually holds my attention is extremely rare. That's a good point, um, man. That is a good so, point. Usually by now you've you wouldn't have made it that far. You'd already sent it on down the river. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the medium. I I enjoyed it, and I basically power played it from beginning to end. Uh, my wife hated it. <laughs> How long was it? <laughs> it took me about seven, eight hours to finish, something like that. It's about right for that kind of guess. It's about how long you can play that. Yeah, and look, I'll say this: there's really no replay value for this. It is like once you—it's yeah. one of those games where once you figure out the location of everything, once you figure out what items you need to use on what puzzle elements, you've got it figured out, and nothing's going to change it going after that. So, like unless you want to go back and do a collectible run, basically. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I would probably be okay if I had to pay money for this and it wasn't on Game Pass. Probably twenty, twenty-five bucks. I think I would be cool paying for it. I would not pay. Definitely wouldn't pay more than twenty-five for it. It's just not long enough, and there's no incentive to play it again after you're done. Um, but it what it is an affecting, moving experience that left a mark on me. I found myself thinking about this game after I finished playing it, and as you guys know. That doesn't happen very often with me, and when it mm-hmm. does, it definitely rings a bell for me. So, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, I basically yeah, plowed I like it. it so far. I'll, yeah. I'll keep playing it. The one thing I do, I yeah, I was a little disappointed when I realized it's all going to take place in that resort sanitarium place. Yeah, because there was a part of me that was kind of hoping it was going to be her helping various people move on move to the, ne- the other side like that that was yeah. a that's a pretty compelling idea well, she does already. do that i mean i'm I sure but like i was more thinking like around town oh, you know okay. not not kind of trapped in a a uh singular place yeah she comes across um, a lot of lost souls throughout the course of the game that yeah you know, they're like help me help me and then you have to go find the mask bring the mask back they put it on and they're like thank you and they go yeah. off well, well clearly it was not a tremendously successful vacation destination <laughs> like it was some some bad things happened there yeah and that's a big part of kind of unraveling the mystery as you go and look i did not guess pretty much anything in this game and that's also something that doesn't happen a lot in games so if you like good adventure games if you like unnerving horror more like psychological horror than like gross jump scare horror um, if you like good stories that are well written well voiced i i say go for it and if you have game pass it's a no-brainer Download it mm-hmm. right now. Start playing it. Um, again, it's only about seven or eight hours long. It's not a huge commitment. Perfect for Game Pass. It's like that's a ringer on Game Pass, man. That's exactly what you want from that service. So something yep. that's really good, that's really short, that you would never pay po- full price for. That's exactly. But what makes you need. glad you have that subscription. Yep, absolutely. Um, I, do, I will say this: I do regret having it now as one of my alternates. Um, for the fantasy oh draft. yeah you did pick that yeah i mean look it's gonna end up at like a seven which isn't god awful but i really thought it would score higher because i thought it was more action oriented than it is like there's a there's a stealth there are a couple chase scenes that are a little actiony but for the most part mm-hmm. it's all just item use and finding an item and figuring out where to use it and taking it there and then when well, the door opens and off you go it is definitely gonna end up in your lineup so Probably so, which means I have a seven. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> that is not a good start, Kyle. All right. And a zero. Yep. 
So I said earlier that that was supposed to be the last topic of Game Face 245. And now that I'm looking at the time, maybe it should have been because we're already, we only have a half hour left. But something happened this morning that I knew Matt was going to be over the moon about. And I was kind of over the moon about too. And so we had to discuss it. And that is that we got the first trailer for Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Basically, a remastered version of the Mass Effect trilogy. Matt, I know so little about Mass Effect compared to you Hmm. that I want you to lead this discussion. I'm sure you've watched this trailer a couple times at this point, and I just want you to tell us what you think of it. I mean, it looks really good. Um, The trailer is not as illuminating as the articles that came out. Yep. Oh, you know, the IGN, uh, Kat Dennings did a good article on it, and Washington Post reported on it. Of all things, uh, you want Fox to say News. That? I didn't see Fox News because um, <laughs> there's I'm no sure nudity that, in it. They take the nudity they'll be, out. They'll be shocked as as normal. I'm sure. What will they find out that Caden turns out to be gay? Did you um, see that they changed Mass Effect two because of the uproar over the Fox News stuff? Oh yeah, the Jack thing. Yeah, yeah. that was that was obvious at the time because she has clear dialogue that indicates she's bisexual, and then or or pan, whatever it is, and then you can't romance her as a female shepherd, which is crazy um like that <laughs> Thanks, seems real fox obvious News. to me good work fox <laughs> it would be nice if they'd see see some of that stuff restored but i don't know if we're going to get that the important part is well, that's also important but the important part that actually happened is uh they are in fact uh greatly redoing mass effect one they are because um, it yes. doesn't look like it in this trailer oh no they redid it completely really because um, yeah. oh, my one takeaway from this was like they didn't do enough on the first game no, they completely re- they back they backported all the stuff from three. As a matter of fact, wow! Like you're that looking at you're news. looking at Mass Effect three assets put back into Mass Effect one. Nothing like getting good news in the middle of a um, game face. They are redoing. They brought in uh, read the Washington Post article. Uh, they they brought in modders for the, of the series and big fans and cosplayers to advise on all the changes to the first one. They have backported um, uh, the Mass Effect three design for Femshep. Uh, two, one, and two. So your default femship will look like the box cover of Mass Effect Three femship. Um, they are they have redone the inventory in one. They have redone um, a lot of the animation stuff. They've redone like kind of collision stuff and how basically the Mass Effect One is going to play much better and closer to the other games now. Thank God. Um, I mean, we've been talking about that they, for the last three months. Like that. Yeah, they are still going to use. Um, they're still using Unreal Engine Three. Uh, because basically a lot of the tools that you they use to make a lot of the stuff happen, even in the cutscenes uh, with uh, with Mass Effect, uh, do not exist in Unreal 4. Um, so they, if they basically, if they put it in Unreal 4, they would have had to redo everything almost frame by frame in places, and oh it would Lord. not have felt like the same game. Yeah. So they kept it Unreal 3, but they basically backported a lot of the stuff that they learned and, and innovated on for Mass Effect 1, uh, and so they brought Mass Effect. It's not going to be perfect, but it's going to feel more, it's not going to feel as we as different from the other two. Uh, it's going to feel better, they say. Good. Um, they, it, it comes with all, all, it comes with all DLC except one. It does not come with Pinnacle Station, which was the other Why? DLC for Mass Effect one. And apparently, I, I don't know the exact reason for that, but first off, I had to look up what that was. Cause I forgot what Pinnacle Station was. It's just an arena battle. Um, that was like a freebie DLC thing. And I believe it, it I believe it never was on PlayStation. Huh. Like the PlayStation version didn't have it. And I think that might be what happened there. Huh, is they didn't want to have to make it for PlayStation for this release. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, Pinnacle Station is not much of a loss. It was just it was just like a combat training thing. It was you never know. I would never have noticed it wasn't there if someone hadn't told me, basically. Um, but overall, yeah, it's in it's a uh, it's a big overhaul. They're redoing a bunch of stuff, like redoing uh, checkpointing and auto saving, so you don't like lose as much progress if you get killed. Uh, they're redoing the Benicia uh, boss fight, so you're not going to fall through the stairs and die <laughs> that way, which happened all the time on yep. that fight. Um, they are tweaking the hell out of Mass Effect One. Wow! Um, so it's not going to be like a total remake or anything, but it is going to be significantly improved. They're doing work. Um, so they, they definitely did work on Mass Effect One. Go look at the Washington Post uh, article on it. it, it it's very very clear about it, and, and the IGN article as well. Um, and the IGN article talks about some of the updates on the character models and stuff. Although it does say the IGN article says that the characters in Mass Effect One uh, used to have they had glassy eyes that made them look like aliens, and I'm like, that's a weird thing to say in a in relation to this game, considering how many of the characters are aliens um but okay that is funny <laughs> but uh yeah so it is pretty much the best i was hoping for was they are they are revamping mass effect one as best they can and delivering us kind of the definitive edition of these games uh there is a collector's edition available through bioware's bioware gear site which i actually ordered uh, it comes with a life-size shepherd helmet uh, which will definitely not fit over my giant head but i'm still getting it <laughs> Uh, some art stuff, and of course, does not come with the game because that's how we roll now. Um, it keeps the price down, and the, the idea is that you get the freedom of deciding whether you want digital or physical. Because people got, who like digital were complaining they're being forced to buy a physical version of the game and spending more money. Yeah. So that's why they do that. Um, but I still think it's weird. <laughs> like, like I, weird. if I'm buying something that comes with a fucking helmet. I probably want a physical copy of the game. Yeah, to go I think that, you. I would think. <laughs> yeah, I think you've laid your plans down. You've laid your cards down at that point. For yeah, sure. yeah, I, I think so. But very good news. Very exciting. Comes out May fourteenth. Um, a little later than I was hoping. But Are you surprised? Whatever, it's PC, I'll take PS4, it. and Xbox One instead of uh, next gen. Um, not really. I think they've been it's working 4K. on this for a while. HDR. Yeah. I mean, it'll still run on. Yeah. The new system, so that's I'm fine with that. It doesn't, doesn't need to support like ray, ray tracing or anything. Like, well, the one thing I would say is good. maybe the visuals don't look quite as good as I had anticipated. But now that I realize that it's PS4 and Xbox One, yeah, I mean, there's sense. only so much you're gonna be able to do. Yeah, um, and you don't want to you don't want to cut out those install bases from being able to buy this thing because that's where your money is. Yep. Did they um, say how much this is gonna cost, Matt? Um, I mean, the one the version I pre-ordered was sixty. Oh wow, that's a great deal. A lot of people are going to be like, this is the best deal I ever got buying video games. People who have never played any of these games. I mean, that is a hell of a deal Are you for, kidding me? <laughs> yeah, all three of them and all the BLC. I mean, that, look, if you've That's never what, played this game. 300 hours of gameplay, probably. Maybe more. The, the speed run record is 46. Right. That's what for I'm all saying. Three. That's, That's what I'm crazy. saying. So, My, man. The fastest I've ever done Mass Effect 1 was 26 hours. Yeah. It's going to be um, one which, of the best values in gaming. This year, yeah. guaranteed. Well, it's great. It's a great. It's my favorite thing of last gen. Yeah, I mean, I mean last, if you have not played gen. these games, just go pre-order it now. You, yeah, you will not hate us when you get it. You will not regret it, guaranteed. Um, I especially with even. the updates because, like the the big obstacle to playing the, the trilogy now is getting through how primitive Mass Effect One yeah. feels. And if you can get get that out of the way, Mass Effect One actually has the strongest villain. 
It is so, a shame uh, that the save, there's no way to get your saves into this new version. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather just start over anyway. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't. I, I wish I, I could I pick up where I left off before because a couple of them, I got really far into it, installed at like the 30-hour mark or something. Mm-hmm. Like, I would like to be able to pick up there, but I understand why they can't do yeah. it. I mean, I, I did complete all three of my main trilogy playthroughs, and then I, I, I finished the first one five times. Because I was getting all the stupid ally achievements, uh-huh. you know, where you had to basically stick with the same two characters the whole game. Yep. yep. Um, and that was fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm curious what they'll do to improve the Mako stuff. Yeah. Um, I didn't mind that. I, I I enjoyed the exploration of the Mako stuff. Yeah. But the controls on the Mako were garbage, questionable. Um, I would say garbage. <laughs> not bad for nine months. That's true. Because yeah, they that made that in nine. Edition. They made all the planetary exploration stuff in nine months after one of the doctors shot his mouth off at GDC about how you're going to be able to explore the planets freely. And he went back and he's like, "Okay, I said you're going to be able to do that, so we got to do that now." <laughs> like, what? Like, we hate you. Damn it. Are yeah. you? But overall, based upon what your expectations were before you got to look at it, are you pleasantly surprised? Is it better than you thought it was going to be? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's as it's the best case scenario. That I was, you know, it was the best case scenario I was hoping for. I didn't, you know, it's EA, so I didn't really think I was going to get the best case scenario, but we did for once. So, yeah, like that's between that and squadrons, that's twice you've pleasantly surprised me in a year, EA. What are you doing? Yeah, Matt, you may be forced to actually admit that you like EA if they keep this up. Oh, I like a lot of EA <laughs> stuff when they do it right, but they just haven't done that recently. Yeah. Well, the other thing from EA today, well, NCAA they have that football recently, is coming back today. Is coming yeah, back. I saw that. That's like, a big that's... deal. That is cool. I mean, it's I mean, funny. I'm not going to play it, but it's cool. Yeah. And also, it's cool that uh, you know we that it's true that MLB the show is coming to multi platform Xbox and all that. That's that, yeah. God, that was weird Big to see that fucking logo. Week. Of course, we never talk about sports games here, except for no. Matt. But, I, but that was weird to see that logo on an Xbox case, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, our sports coverage on Game Face is literally relegated to 10 minutes a year on Madden. That's it. Yep. That's pretty much because as we start talking sports, you can watch the viewers on Twitch just start going down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but I am. I'm also pleasantly surprised, especially now that I've talked to you and you have told me that they did more work on the first one than I thought. I really thought watching that trailer that there was, and I had to leave to come here and make sure the audio was in a complete disaster for this episode. Yeah, uh, no, so you're, I, you're just you're just seeing the the ceiling of what you can do with Unreal Three, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can only polish that up so much. Yeah. It looks way better. It looks it, it looks much better. Um, they they upres use a lot of AI uh, upresing to, to to boost things. Uh, some textures like sixteen times what they were. Yep. Um, it's gonna look fine. It's gonna it's gonna look like a more or less a modern game. Uh, so there you go, Mass Effect Legendary Edition. That's May 14th. May 14th. PC, yeah. PS4, Xbox One. Go pre-order it now. Get yourself a helmet. Knock yourself yeah. out. I, I'm pretty confident this is going to be a great package, and no one's going to regret plunking down the yeah. cash for it. Believe me, if I could have picked this one for the Fantasy League, I would have. Yeah. Unfortunately, that remakes, cheating. remasters, all that stuff. Yeah, you, can't, you can't pick something you know is already good. <laughs> it's kind of cheating. Yep. All right. So it's time for Q&A, folks. Um, I think some of you guys may have already got a couple uh, questions into the chat because you guys know. Um, you can tell by the tone of our voice when we're starting to wind things down. i got to put in my reading glasses so I can read all that stuff and all the Twitch Prime and all the other awesome stuff you guys have been doing during the show. Um, I'm sorry I'm not as attentive to chat um, when I'm running the TriCaster as I normally am. I hope you guys understand. I'm literally doing a job that other people get paid a metric ton of money to do while I'm hosting a podcast. 
Um, so I'm just doing the best that I can. Um, yep, and it cut off all the Twitch Prime stuff from early in the show. Sorry, guys. If you subscribe with Twitch Prime early, thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, and JM Rain, once again, making it rain. Thank you, brother. That's awesome. Uh, let's see if we can find some questions. As always, go at Sifted Games in the chat. It makes it a lot easier for us to find the questions. Um, Justin Horman, thank you for Twitch Prime. Appreciate it. Jam Rain, thank you for gifting a bunch of people subs. That's awesome, man. It's really great. Uh, first question from Swanlin. What's up, man? Hope you're doing good. Um, I noticed in the last few streams, any game capture you have has noticeable capture glitches. It was very noticeable with Cyber Shadow today. Others notice it too. Anything wrong with yes? Yes, there is. My capture card died. <laughs> yep. Uh, the capture card that I've had, I've had a uh, an Avermedia Live Gamer Extreme um, ever since we got robbed. I had another capture card that got stolen in the robbery, um, and then you guys very graciously replaced it with your donations, and that was a card that I got. And uh, at first, I thought it was a problem with Avermedia's, uh, either its firmware or the program that they try to make you use called RE Central. Um, and I went through a big process with them, and they're like, nope, your card died. And I'm like, how did my card die? My, that card has literally sat on the desk in that same spot forever. It's never been moved, it's, and, it, and it died somehow. And it still kind of works. So I my birthday is Friday, and for my birthday... I asked for from my wife, and she is not happy about this. She may be listening right now, actually. She sometimes watches the end of the show. She's not happy about it. She does not want to buy me a capture card for my birthday. She's like, that seems very impersonal. And I'm like, you cannot buy me anything else that'll get more use out. I'll get more use out of. So I think she's going to. Is buy it impersonal me. if it puts you in a better mood on a daily basis? Exactly. Exactly. And I just told her, I'm like, I'll think of you every time I use it, and I'll use it every day. And I think that maybe sold her on it. Um, but anyway, I think on Friday I'll get my new capture card. If I don't, I will buy my own capture card on Friday. And uh, we'll also have the ability to start capturing in 4K uh, and be able to do some stuff in 4K for you guys as well. So, yes, um, I'm surprised it took this long for people to notice it because it's actually been an issue for a while now. Uh, but at first, like, it was only happening intermittently. And, like, if I do four chunks of B-roll for a show, there'd be, like, one game that had a little bit of, like, corruption in it. This, sitting here watching the monitor, this was the worst show of them all. Perfect timing, though, for the new card to come in. So, yes, there is a problem with my capture card. Yes, I'm aware of it. And, yes, it's already being replaced. Um, so, blue skies ahead. Um, ETH Demon, what do you think of Sega restructuring their company into two departments? I think it makes sense. Um, the Pachinko slash, you know, gaming, they're such different things with different audiences, different, I think most importantly, mm -hmm. the way that you generate revenue from the two are so different that they should yeah. never be a part of the same company. Um, I mean, you should definitely, you want separate departments for your general retail channel and your organized crime front. So, <laughs> Yes. Matt put it far better than I did. And, and essentially, that's probably what's happening, Matt. I mean, yeah. Pachinko is, it's a shady thing in Japan. Like, you're not supposed to be able to play mm -hmm. it for money, but you can. And all you got to do is take your balls. Literally, you leave the Pachinko parlor and you walk right across the alleyway in a door and you pay. It's like yeah, this they, weird they buy They buy the balls from you, so it's not gambling. <laughs> yep, it's bizarre. <laughs> so there's like all this shady stuff. Also, like we it. had a lot of translators when we were over there who would not go in 
you're right. The parlors. You're our fixers. They're like, no, don't. And they were like telling us not to go in there. I'm like, no, I'm going yeah. out. Dude, and I'm they're in basically Japan. like, we're go. And they're basically like, go in, and if you get, if they come at you, like basically, like don't, you can't understand anything. You're a dumb Westerner, and they'll probably let you go. Yeah, yeah. So that was it. There's this weird stigma around them, and people are like, don't go in there. Like bad things happen in there. Um, so yeah, separate that out from Sonic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it just makes too much sense. Yeah, so I think it was a good idea. I think it'll help uh, the video game division as well, um, not having to kind of deal with the other stuff that's going on uh, at Sega at the same time. So, yeah, I think it's good for everybody. Um, Edith420. Shane, have you thought about making a finance-slash-investing show for Sifters? Uh, I think that's called Pactor Factor. <laughs> yeah. Also, nobody wants that responsibility. <laughs> yeah, we have Pactor Factor. It's the only... Finance gaming finance show in the world. We're the only ones that have a gaming finance show. It's and he actually did give stock advice this this week. Yes, yes. By the way, look if some of you guys aren't uh, patrons to Sifted and you just watch, you know, Game Face for free on Twitch, and you know you watch Pactor Factor with Twitch Prime. Um, well, your Twitch Prime is paying off, bro, because this episode of Pactor Factor that just went up this morning, he gave stock advice. He never does that. And I don't know why he decided to do it. I don't even know why I included the question on the list of questions because I know better. And for some reason, it just completely slipped my mind that he had told me I won't answer questions like this because that's what I get paid for. And so I accidentally left it on there, and then he answered it. And and after he answered it, he said, don't make a habit of putting those questions on the list. And I was like 10-4. <laughs> So yes, we we that's we are the only gaming website in the world that has a finance show. I don't know how you're not aware of it. Um, and if you can't afford to, or you don't want to become a patron, uh, you can subscribe with Twitch Prime, and you can get the show day and date when our patrons do, and you give us a free two fifty a month. To be fair, I can see if you watch that, if you watch Factor Factor, you might be under the impression that it's a bourbon show. <laughs> Well, it hasn't been like that for a while because I put no. the kibosh on it. I got tired because it's like <laughs> no more scotch. Well, he would. It's like he would talk about the question for, and I'll say this: people complain that like we've broken up Pactor Factor, so each question is its own episode. He is answering these questions way. Go back and watch an old episode of Pactor Factor. He would answer some of those questions in like forty-five seconds. So now that we, we you're actually getting far more time of Pactor Factor than you got before. The way the new format is. But even so, he would talk about the question for eight minutes, and then he'd talk about bourbon for like 25 minutes. And it's like, as somebody who has to edit the show, and back then we were actually paying someone to edit it when we could afford it. Now I have to edit every episode of Pactor Factor. And trying to find 20 minutes of B-roll to cover bourbon talk? (laughs) Good luck. It just ground me down. And so after a while, I'm like, we got to cool it on the bourbon talk. Like, let's do like a bourbon episode like one time a year or something like that. But anyway... As Matt was saying, he gave stock advice in today's episode. Listen, act accordingly. I do not condone it. (laughs) I am not responsible if you lose your ass on anything he tells you. Uh, Let's see. Um, May is a new March, huh? This is from Johnny Hurricane. May is a new March, huh? Lots of games ending up there. I guess this year it is, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, look, we haven't got to March yet. We're close. Um, but I, you're right. I don't see like a game getting moved into that slot or anything. Um, it does look like May is going to be like a really good month, kind of in the spring, early summerish uh, period. Whereas usually, you're right, Johnny. 
it is March where we're getting a ton of good stuff. And it does make me sad because I rely on March to help us get through game phase. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, as of right now, it's looking like May is going to be a hot month for games. Did we hit the full hype train again? It looks like yeah, I see the like choo-choo. It. Yep, it looks like it. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everybody who contributed to the hype train. We're, all, we're at a pace now where we do it almost every episode. It's amazing. I remember the first time it happened, I lost my shit. <laughs> uh, let's see if we got any more. Um, uh, here's the last one from Vincent. Um, thoughts on multiplayer not being a part of Mass Effect 3 in the Legendary Edition? I am totally fine with that. Not yeah. here. Not here for that. It, I played. Yeah, I, mean, I played it a lot of great. it. Like, it I, I liked it. It was good. It's okay. It's, also, it's still going. Yeah, like, it's still alive. It's still it's still alive on the original Mass Effect Three. So if you want to play it, you can just play that. Yep. Um, I yeah. I would not. Also, I don't want to start over on that. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm never gonna miss it. Yep. Um, I don't so. miss it at all. I never. I'm a. You know, I'd rather play Call of Duty. I'd rather play games that are really built for multiplayer instead of playing a multiplayer mode that's just kind of tacked on to something. Yeah, well, I don't think it was all that tacked on. But it was, yeah, it was a nice you're right. Co-op. That's not fair. That's not it was a nice co-op, like, you know, fire team wave, you know, fight the waves thing. I played it a lot at the time. Um, I don't need to do that again. Yeah. I don't remember a whole lot about it, which means it probably didn't leave a big impact on me. Um, one final question from JamRain99, who made it rain again. Thank you for the hype train and everything you do on our live streams, giving away subs to people. It's it's awesome. Um, and he asks, um, how can somebody get involved in curating for the site? Send me an email. Send us an email. Um, jobs at sifted.net, S-I-F-T-D dot net. Um, and we'll get you hooked up. Uh, you have to jump through some hoops first. Like, we need to talk. Uh, and there's some training that is involved. It's not just like, hey, do it. You can do it. Um, but if, if you're willing to do that, anyone is willing to do that and uh, think it's something you might enjoy, just send an email to jobs at sifted.net and we'll start talking about it. Uh, so that's it. That's Game Face 245. I told you that this episode was chock full of games, even for the first week of February. I can't believe we had a show like this. I'm very happy that we did. I was really worried when the show ended last week. I was like, what are we going to do next week? That's the, uh, the conundrum of the content creator, as it were. Um, Let's see. Like I said, we have um, three-night weekend launching on Friday morning. A reminder, it is audio only. It is podcast only. If you guys have not hooked up your Sifted Radio podcast feed, go hook it up. I don't know why you guys aren't hooking up your podcast feeds. It makes Sifted awesome. Seriously, it takes a minute. Do it. There's three feeds. There's one for Game Face. There's one for Pactor Factor. And there's Sifted Radio. And it, you hook them up the same way. It's so easy. Just do it. It changes everything with Sifted. You're getting like pinged by us all the time as we're putting new stuff in there. And three night weekend will be in the Sifted Radio podcast feed. So you haven't done it already for the like 10 shows that are running through Sifted Radio. Do it now. I really am excited about this show. I really think this could be finally something new that we do that could pop for us. So I really, really need your support behind this, guys. Look, I don't want you to lie. If you don't like the show, I'm not asking you to be like, it's awesome, even though it really sucks. But if you like it, please share it. Please tell people. This is cool. This is different. This is something that no one else is doing. And at least maybe they'll give it a chance and they'll listen to it. But it is podcast only. Just keep that in mind. Um, 
as I say at every, every at the end of every episode of Game Face, Sifted is 100% supported by our patrons. Um, if you're listening to the show on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, it's out there on all of them. Uh, if you're listening on any of those services and you want to help us out, please head to patreon.com slash sifted. We really got beat up uh, with the Patreon turnover this month. Um, and typically when we lose people and I look at the reports, it usually will have like a bunch of different reasons. It'll be like, you know, lost my job, um, need money for something else that I'm doing. Every single one, my financial situation changed. And I was like, whoa. Like, you're starting to see, like, at least we're finally now starting to see the COVID, like, hitting our mm-hmm. audience. And uh, I'm actually very happy that we haven't seen anything like that until this month, uh, that you guys have been okay to be able to, like, keep in your jobs or, and stay afloat. Um, it was striking to see. I, and, right before we started today, I found out that my favorite restaurant in L.A. is closing because uh, of, of that. Everything's closing here, man. Like, every rest, everything's got to start anew in L.A., Matt. Like, all, yeah. almost all our favorite restaurants have closed on the west side. Thanks for dragging this out, anti-mask dipshits. Yep. I mean, that's exactly what it is. And the complete ineptitude a complete of, lack of, of our testing and, and our yeah. vaccination. And now, yeah. finally, it's ramping up. Let's all just hang in there for a little but bit it's just, longer. It's too late for so many businesses yeah. and you know, no support, no payments to help them get through. What are you what are you doing right now if you want a bar? I don't know, man. I what don't know how doing? people survive while they got six hundred dollars like a year ago, Matt. Yeah. It's insane. Anyway, look, if you're somebody who is a part of those patrons who just lost your job and just can't afford to do it anymore, um, and you're watching this on YouTube because it's free on YouTube. I just want, I don't want you to think that like I'm begrudging you, man. Like I'm rooting for you. I'm hoping that you can find a job. Um, and we'll be here when you get back, hopefully. Um, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? It's, the world's crazy right now. Um, but anyway, I'm just sending my best to everybody. I know everyone's struggling right now. Uh, I got a love, lot of love for everybody who has supported Sifted. You guys have been amazing. So uh, on behalf of Matt, who you can find on Twitter at MKyle, um, you can find me, Shane at Dinfire on Twitter. And if you are someone who maybe just had to leave our Patreon and, you're, and you need to kind of figure out, okay, what's going on with the site on YouTube, definitely follow at Sifted Games. Anytime we publish anything anywhere, we post it at Sifted Games on Twitter. Uh, it could be your guidepost to make sure you're still getting all our content as soon as you can. And again, I hope that everybody who has lost their job um, or is having issues trying to find a job finds one soon. Um, we'll see you next week, next Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Game Face is up and out.